the garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your host, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. And yes, I am back. I miss being here the last couple of weeks. Good morning, gardeners. <laughs> We're all here together. Just like a bad penny. We I missed old, coming back. We missed Jim the last two weeks. Yeah, we did. We you know, sure the did. new member of the show, Mr. Jim Crowder, to my left. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I hope you had a great time down on the sandy beaches. It, it, was, um, very, it was very relaxing. You know, the weather didn't cooperate very well. Um, but the entire trip. <laughs> I, got a, yeah. I got a text from Jim and said, you know, it's, it's freezing mm-hmm. down here and the wind's howling. Yes. Okay, just like it was here. And then I got another text a couple of days later and said, it's so misty and foggy down here, I can't see my hand in front of my face. Yeah. Couldn't even see the beach from the I, uh-huh. from the window, yeah. you know. I, you could, I could it. hear the waves, but yeah. I couldn't see them from you, where we were. You could have stayed at home and enjoyed all that. <laughs> God to Marty. Yeah. <laughs> but, I've got an app on my phone that'll do waves. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we're oh, glad well, you're like, back, Jim. Uh, glad to be back. You know? I guess there's always that one trip. And then, and then we go <laughs> well, from you know, that. that. That's kind of weird because, you know, two of the last three times I've been down there, it has been bitterly cold. You know, it snowed in Mobile time before last I was down there. They ain't had snow in like a hundred years. Well, so when they see your name on the register to come <laughs> stay, they're going to go, no, yeah. no. They're putting all the plant material inside, <laughs> you know. Send him back. And then we go from that to what we had the last two days. Spring, oh, I know. spring, spring. And, and, y'all, and tell me if I'm wrong. I was looking at the 30-day forecast last night. Uh-huh. And the lowest, now this is the 30-day, it could change yeah. tomorrow. But the lowest low that I saw at night was like 33 degrees. Oh my <clears throat> Remember, I told you that mm-hmm. we might possibly have our last frost in February. Yeah. And, and, and the days were in the 50s, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part. Now, you know, we'll see if that holds up, but I'm like... Oh, mm-hmm. this is, makes it so hard when you're in the garden industry of what do we do? Do we go ahead and bring a lot of shrubs in? Yeah. Because what if we have a long uh, early spring? And the most important thing is Phil did not see his shadow yesterday. Yeah. You're right. So spring is around the corner. Right. Yeah, and I'm a bank everything on that yeah groundhog in fact but you know the, 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 the facebook group i posted some pictures of some calibracoa that is mm-hmm. burned to a crisp but reach down there the wood's green and if you look yeah. closely there are tiny buds breaking uh-huh. got little tiny leaves on them so how can it make it through that freeze that we had and people can't grow it in the growing season it's during the growing it's a season. tough plant but i tell you what i have seen some distilliums that had just don't look good at mm-hmm. all I think I saw that too, uh, but mm. the snow cover helped. That it did. did help, yeah. If those were covered with snow, though. well, and like we yeah. covered, you know, people were freaking out for all the right reasons because of what happened a year ago, mm. and then we had this, you know, blast of cold come back in. But we, like we said, it, it was a different event because we did have cold weather leading up to it. But distillium a year ago were nuked. You know, they were they were just mm-hmm. killed. And a lot of people went back out and planted distillium because they love. It's a good alternative to a lot of different shrubs, right. and I love them. Mm-hmm. And there's so many different varieties. And don't tell me, Jim, that the same thing could have happened this year. Well, you know, we had <clears throat> one of our members post some pictures of some that they planted as replacements from last year, and it does look like right at the ground there's a green blob of foliage, and that's probably like Veda said, snow covered. They're protected, but it's got long shoots out, 12, 15 inches that are brown as they can be. Reminds me of Indian hawthorns for the last 10 yeah. years. Yeah. You know? Mm. So, uh, I wonder if the dwarf mm. distilliums are the ones that are lower, lower. Maybe they made it through. The snow could be covered we'll over see. them. Because, I mean, I've seen all the 
I did see a row of distillium yesterday, and I thought I better just keep watching this mm-hmm. because if that wasn't, I mean, that was cold and all, but that's not abnormal. No, really. And it wasn't the know? flash freeze that yeah. we had. And I, I can get that when yeah. things die because of the flash right. freeze we had. But so now is this going to be not a shrub? Well, right I here? think I think this is one of those cases where if you get the plant established over a course of a couple of years, yeah. mm-hmm. then it will withstand that. Okay, but new plantings it's going to be a challenge you know this happened when we lost so many camellias back in the 70s Mm -hmm. people would try to plant them but we get a winter that just zap them again Mm -hmm. uh the ones that had we planted back in the 40s survived just fine you know because they they had been in the ground they were well established and they came through all that so i think the key to it is if we can get you know another four or five years of somewhat normal temperatures none of these deep plunges uh, that you know we'll have a better shot of getting these things through and well and then another thing that kind of concerns me like i said i looked at the 30-day forecast and it looks mild for the next mm-hmm. 30 days and this is still just february know, we know, I, know. It, I mean things could even happen in march that's, that's mm-hmm. the thing that that's what i'm wondering are we gonna have this nice warm february yeah, everything know, sprouts happened, yeah yeah, yeah. That's and what, then bam look we get out for sun scald Oh, yeah, sun scald. I always forget about that one. Mm-hmm. And you remember the biggest snow we ever had here was on the first day of spring. <laughs> God, yeah. See, that's why it makes it so hard to figure out what to, to carry because, you know, you know. Like yesterday, someone came through and, you know, and he was like, um, you know, can you help you? What's happening? Talking to him. He goes, no, I'm just going out back to look at flowers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, well, you might want to stay in here where the yeah. houseplants are. <laughs> right. And, you know, it's just the weather makes you think mm-hmm. that it's going to, that you, we should start. Because even like, you know, I'm always saying, don't uncover your perennials, you know, leave them covered up for the wildlife and all of that. And then when the weather does this, it's hard to not uncover. But I think keeping them covered would keep them from sprouting faster mm-hmm. and that's we still want things to slow down they when it's warm like it was the last two days maybe even today i think oh it's gonna be beautiful today. you're not gonna keep people from going outside yeah. and just doing anything and if they, the bed and if, exactly yeah. and if they see perennials that need to be cleaned up and mm-hmm. they're going to do it yep you know and you can't a, blame them well and there are tasks that you could do anyway because it's going to be nice weather and you're going to have to do it sometime in the yeah, next you know, month or two. We were talking just before the show there, you know, we're in the process now of cutting the bananas down because mm-hmm. they did not, um, yeah. they didn't fare very well. Yeah. <laughs> well, but now what you were going to try to do this year, you were cutting the foolage off the right, bananas and leaving the, stems. And leaving the stalk. Yeah. Okay. In many years, that's just done fine for me. You know, I've had huge plants when everybody else's who cut them off were yeah. six inches tall. But uh, that's, you know, the last three or four years, um, it has not done well that way. So. And his wife, she was out there helping Jim, <laughs> yeah. and she looked over there and said, well, those stalks are still there. Yeah. They're, they look, and They're poor, still standing. Jim said, no, they hadn't thawed out yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet they're just mushy, gross. Oh, gosh, yes. Ugh. Yeah. But I they'll come a, back. I, I mean, pulled all of, a, a whole lot of plants out of the, the storage shed and get them out and get them watered good because... Basically, you know, with us being gone for 10 days, basically, they were in there with the heat running for 10 days mm-hmm. constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they, lots of us really, really dry. Yeah. Well, and I lost a few things, you know, yeah, that's just, right. you know, little four inch pots. That, mm-hmm. But okay. you made, but yeah. you did make the reference to you, you saw some damage on some distillium out there. But I'm telling you, overall, I mean, 
everything mm-hmm. made it through yeah. this mm-hmm. really i mean i hadn't seen hardly any damage right. yeah one of the questions carol had yesterday afternoon the oakland holly that came back so beautifully you know yeah. it looked so bad uh, she said, is it okay? Is it, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it looks great. That's her baby now. She's <laughs> yeah. worked hard on that, yeah. and, manicuring it, and shaping I, you know, it. And I made the reference last weekend that I did see some burn on the top of a hedge of boxwoods, uh, which is not uncommon. There again, because we went you know below zero temperatures. Uh, and it was just the you know the tip burns on, yeah. on the foliage up there, but it, I mean overall things made it through it just fine. Yeah, and a lot of that's too from just late pruning in the season. You know, mm-hmm. the maintenance companies and your lawn guy will just go in there and shear them, you know, to make them keep them looking good. But then we have you know a month or so of cool weather and they sprout and mm-hmm. put on new foliage, but that usually won't make it through the winter. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. especially so. if it gets down to zero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Y'all, we're going to go to a break. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. You're listening to the Mighty 990. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 901-260-5926, or you can post a question on Facebook Live. Yeah, the Mighty 990 Facebook page, uh, Mid-South Gardening. And, y'all, let's not forget, we've got a couple things coming up. Uh, Memphis Area Master Gardeners present... A Better Way to Garden, Seasonal Garden in uh, Information. And write this one down. That's February the 17th from 9 to 12 at the Littman Nature Center. Uh, and we've got Jamie uh, Childers coming up next weekend. We'll talk more about that. And then, of course, the six-part Garden Talk series uh, at the Bartlett City, uh, Bartlett City Beautiful at the Bartlett Library. Uh, this is the fourth one today, and it is Curb Appeal with Kim Halyak. So... Uh, make sure you tune in or, or, or go to that event also. And then on February the 10th, we've got Maintaining a Flower Bed. And the 17th, we've got uh, uh, Backyard Chickens, which I think is going to be great. And that's at 2 o'clock in the meeting room at the Bartlett Public Library. Yeah, so a lot of stuff going on. Now, I, I don't know. Are they still working on the door at the library? <laughs> you had to go around to the back to get in on the railroad side? Jim, I don't know. I that's don't a either. great question. So if, if the doors appear to be locked on the front side... Go Just in go around the side. Yeah, there's an entrance there right beside the railroad track. You'll go around the back there, and you'll see the cars parked there. And I know it's early in the morning, and I hope people aren't eating breakfast at this moment. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> this is pre-breakfast talk, okay? How did a gentleman come into the garden center yesterday, and he said, Kenny, do y'all sell guns? And I went, no. He said, well, y'all <laughs> sell pellet guns. That's what I need. And I was like, I was thinking squirrel the whole mm-hmm. way. Yeah, yeah. I said, no, we don't sell any pellet guns. I mean, or, why do you need one? He said, i got to kill some birds. And I went, what? What are you talking about? He said, these things are pooping all over my car. And I'm thinking to my first thing that comes to my mind is move the car. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, because typically you plant it, you know, you've got this car parked where up under a tree or a limb where they love to perch. But it, clearly he didn't want to do that. So it was funny. So we were going back and forth. And he said, what can I do? And I said, well, we've got these molded owls that you can put out there that you need to keep moving around. And I've got a big blow-up snake. And he said, I want the snake. <laughs> so he walked over there, and he, and he got this six-foot you know, blow-up snake, and he's going to tape it to the top of his car. <laughs> and I said, I want to see pictures to back this up, okay? So I was thinking, I was, I was doing some research last night on why do birds poop on cars, other than the fact that the car is parked where it shouldn't be, Right. This is going to blow y'all's mind. Just give me a second, okay? Okay, okay. <laughs> of course, like I said, move the car. Uh, but reflection can cause it, and even the color of your car. And I'm like, hang on a minute. So I started doing some more research uh-huh. on that. And this is what I found out. If you've got a red car, 
18% of cars that were checked, 18% of them were red. So red is the favorite color of car to get pooped on by a bird. Well, that explains my Mazda. Mm. All right, Jim, so red cars, and then it goes to blue, which is 14%, white, 7 silver, uh, 3 and green was 1 And I'm thinking... What the heck? So the color of the car? Well, I'm thinking somebody gets paid to figure that out. Yes. <laughs> yes. So um, it was It was just a funny... I bet they did. But did they look and see how big the tree was above the red car versus the blue car? It's not car? always a tree, though. Let me tell you. Our first house in Bartlett, we backed up to Red West property there. Mm-hmm. You know, he has about a five acre... He had 13 acres, I think. has about a five acre lake on it. Uh, my son used to sneak over there and fish, and they Absolutely. ended up being very good friends, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. throughout the rest of his life. But anyway, um, we were in the flyway when the geese came <laughs> over in the morning to go to the lake. Yeah. So my red Mazda MX-6 sat out there in the driveway. <laughs> Just a dive and, bomb. I mean, it was, you know, and geese... Um, it's a large, <laughs> very large bird amount. <laughs> it's, but this guy was so he said, and he said they just wear it out right after he washes it. It seems like it's the worst. <laughs> but I'm telling you, they said color of the car, reflection of the car, mm-hmm. um, and of course where the car is parked. All three of those make a big difference on how much you will or won't see uh, on your car. But I just thought that was so crazy about the color of the car. Uh, and it may, and out of all the things that they did, <laughs> the color of the car made a difference. Oh, on, wow. And, and you think about it now, so few cars are red. True. You know, if you drive down any street and you got whites, you got grays, you got blacks, um, yeah. you know, um, kind of tan and mm-hmm. silver colors, but you see very little of the bright colors anymore. Yeah. Well, oh, he's, yeah, that's he, true. And white, like you said, I yeah. said white so much. Candy more. Apple Red GTOs just used to be so good looking. Right, right, those midnight blues. <laughs> but you know yeah. what this guy's going to do? He took the mm-hmm. the snake home. He's yeah. going to blow it up. He's going to tape it on the top of his car. He's going to forget that I thing's up gonna there. I was going to say that. He's going to yes. be driving down the road, come to a red light. Snake on top of it. <laughs> Somebody's going to wreck because of this guy, I'm telling you. And he'll find out a neighbor's got a pellet gun. Yeah. <laughs> But I was like, this is the craziest thing I've ever read in my life. You know, now, do we believe everything we read? No. But I mean, somebody, like you said, right. Beta, did some research on that topic. And that's what was freaking me out. Hmm. It's amazing what we study. Well, red cars just always get it, don't they? I mean, well, red cars get pulled over more often. So I hear, mm-hmm. red, you know, so I know red cars get pooped on more often. Well, and the reason they had down there is because it, it represents ripening fruit. Now, mm-hmm. is that because they want to be around that red car because they associate that red color with yeah. you know a juicy red tomato? Maybe I don't know. Marking their fruit so uh, no one else wants. But it, it was I was reading this like scratching my head last night. Like what is <laughs> going on? And we're talking about it. Well, too. I know. Isn't I know. that funny that that's even a thing? But uh, <laughs> I, I made I told us I make sure I came back Kenneth. for this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like There's that. no coming back from this. I gym. like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. I like the information. Yeah. Kenneth, you know I like those things. There you so, go. There, so that's good. So other than the uh the no, but my point though is if you do get a uh, a molded owl or a blow up owl or a blow up snake, and whether you're using it to keep the birds off the car, or whether you're trying to keep the squirrels out of the tomatoes or whatever, 
Uh, the main thing is you you do have to move those things around. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't just put it out there, anchor it, walk away, and leave it mm-hmm. there forever because they will get used to it. Yeah. In fact, I showed you a picture six or seven years ago of a tomato sitting right beside mm-hmm. an owl eating a, to- <laughs> a tomato. Mm-hmm. A squirrel just sitting squirrel. there beside the owl <laughs> on the fence row because they had never moved this owl around. Mm-hmm. And they, they'll get used to it. Yeah. So. Uh, if you're going to do, if you're going to go that way with it, with the natural predator, just make sure you move those things around and keep them at bay. Do they still make the motion detective? They do, but Jim, what most people are buying now is the molded owl that has the rotating head. Okay. So anytime the wind blows, his head mm-hmm. spins around. He's got big yellow eyes, you know. So it looks more realistic, of course, because mm-hmm. it has movement to it. But even with those, you still got to move them around. Yeah. So, but people would try anything, Vader, uh-huh. to keep their. I agree. Yeah, their stuff, you know, varmint free. I know because it does. It really can get. I mean, you feel like sometimes you're being victimized. You feel like they're doing it to you on purpose, and it's like you try everything. You, I mean, down to where we're dumping kitty litter and the yeah. mole runs, juicy fruit. We're standing out there chewing our juicy fruit, getting it just right, and then sticking it down in the hole in the mole run. That is so, you know, like who figured that out or thought that would that worked? And it might have, but it was probably the coincidental thing. Mm. Yes, you I know? don't think yeah, juicy fruit's going to be. There's been plenty of research on that one, and it doesn't work. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. I'm going to research this gum issue. That's another one of these myths that, you know, <laughs> yeah, we talk about. Yeah. And it's, it's funny how many of these myths still hang around. You know, uh-huh. I was watching a garden show this weekend, and somebody was talking about putting eggshells in the bottom yeah. of, of their tomato. You know, and they said, well, they've never seen any research that indicated otherwise. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds yeah, of research there out is. there that indicates it. You know, that that's, it's, there's no benefit mm-hmm. to it until you get it ground down to talc size. Yeah, yeah, and the research isn't coming from the other garden writers. And no, you know, no, the garden writers, right. that's they're not interesting to a garden writer. Right. Yeah, they're all saying the same thing. They're just reading somebody else's article yeah. and passing it along. But, you know, like you say, if you want to do it, then fine, but it's not making your plants become bodaciously beautiful (laughs) you know and you're not going to get a whole lot of calcium out of that either you know you you won't get any until it's like i say it has to pass through a 300 360 mesh or or 60 mesh i guess it is we're in in one inch square screen it has 360 holes yeah a lot it has to be that fine for it to do anything to your ph Mm -hmm. i mean and that's how when you buy lime if you're a commercial farmer it they have to tell you what screen size it is yeah. because the larger the particle, the slower you mm-hmm. get any results. So, you know, if, if you're needing to change that pH fast, you need a very fine uh, lime to make that happen. So it's, you know, it's really interesting what people still believe. Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I have read some research that there's a little bit, bit of calcium in the water as you boil the egg. Little bit. So why? All right. You know. But when you take a shower, that meat. white stuff that's hanging on the glass when you're done, yeah. that's calcium. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so we're already having it in our water. <laughs> and then, Jim, Jim, didn't you say that, especially with eggshells, that they can break down, you know, and then become almost detrimental to worms? Yeah, they can. If, if they're too... not ground fine enough yeah now, if, like I say if you get it down to the powder size it can be beneficial for worms People a lot of worm farmers them. use it but there's this size where it's large enough for the worm to intake but not pass yeah and so it can actually cause your earthworm population to decline yeah trying to do the right thing and right. actually doing the wrong thing of course when you've got it all piled in a little bit in the bottom of a the hole there the chances of a worm finding it are pretty slim yeah yeah so 
Well, see, it's another one of those myths that are just and like the juicy fruit and the molds. Right. Well, Jan just sent us a picture of her red car with poop all over there it. There you go. It's a red car from 2021. <laughs> Doesn't matter what year it seagull, is. <laughs> Pelican and seagull. <laughs> you know, there is seagull poop for sale. And it is actually mixed in some of the Espoma organic products. Seabird. Seabird guano. Ancient seabird guano. It used to say ancient seabird. Ancient seabird guano, I think. Well, it depends on where they harvest back. it from. Yeah. I know, and I'm like, really ancient? Well, <laughs> also at some point this morning, I'm going to talk about, I was doing a little research on some new 2024 shrubs. Mm-hmm. And, of course, every article you ever read about, you know, there's another hydrangea or another hundred hydrangeas on the market. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm leaving hydrangeas alone. There's already so many hydrangeas out there, yep. you know, that I'm not even going to talk about hydrangeas. But these are a few of the uh, plants that I thought was pretty cool mm-hmm. that we'll talk about. And one of them was a, well, I'm not even going to tell you what one of them was because you made a comment about one of them last week. Yeah. Oh, uh, and so you found that one too. Good. good so good, yeah, good. so uh, some of that, uh, and I did right now moles and voles. I don't know what it is already this year that are running people crazy about moles and voles. All the critters are up running around. So makes you wonder, you know, stripping the cedar off the trees, gnawing toes off of statues. <laughs> well, I had the lady just... come in with the picture the other day for hostas um, that were only about this tall. We already had some that were popping out of the ground. Mm-hmm. And she said she found one that was dug up and sitting on top of the ground, didn't have any roots on it whatsoever. Good mm. grief. All right, y'all, 901 260 You're listening to KWAM. Welcome back to Mid-South Garden. Love to have y'all with us this morning. Give us a call, 901-260-59. Jim is waving because he is glad to be back. I haven't seen myself with the camera. You know it does add weight. Lots I of know, weight. right? <laughs> I thought they were just saying it, but how does that happen? But it's so true. 901-260-5926. Really? 901-260-5926. Sorry about that. Didn't mean to interrupt. So there are gardening tasks we can do today. We can still do pruning. To some extent. And pruning. (laughs) And pruning to some extent. Yeah. Don't go out and start chopping your hydrangeas down, though. Uh, This lady come in and she chopped her hydrangeas down. And, uh, um, well, it depends on the hydrangea, yeah, but any of them shouldn't be chopping just yet. Right. I said, what? I go, do they have big blue blooms on them or are they white? And pinnacle shape. She goes, big blue booms. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, no, oh, Hadn't no. seen any in a while, have you? Right, right, <laughs> exactly. I said, oh, no. So we're still not in the uh, pruning of hydrangeas as of yet. But you can go out and deadhead your flowers, your pansies and things. Of course, I've seen some that look horrible. But then I've seen some that look like nothing ever happened. And then I've seen some that just have all the new growth at the base again. So if you just prune that top off, then you'll be good with the, the base of the flower. And I'd go ahead and feed the violas and pansies yeah. also. You know, oh, they, yeah. were, they took a beating with that cold weather. They're still alive, even the mm-hmm. ones that hang in baskets. It looked like just the top, the new growth. And our fertilizer of choice? The fertilizer of choice? Uh-huh. What would it be, Jim? Calcium nitrate. Because it's going to work really fast. Right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. it will. And because it's got a nitrate nitrogen in it, Jim, and there's so many different types of nitrogen out there, 
Uh, but just use it accordingly. Don't overdo it. This is not one of those things where it says, you know, five tablespoons, I'm going to use 20, mm-hmm. which shouldn't be true on anything. But uh, feed them because th- th- just to stimulate new growth. And I noticed on a lot of the violas, they're absolutely still perfectly fine, but all the blooms they had on them are gone. Yeah, and they're right. bent over and brown, you know. Mm-hmm. So just maybe a nice little clipping across the top, yeah. come back and feed them. Two or three weeks with warm weather, even a couple of weeks, they'll, they'll look perfect mm-hmm. again. You know, and that's something, in fact, uh, one of the garden programs I watched this week was it talked about garden math some. And so many people mess that up. In fact, they even did so on the program. Uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> Garden a math. good rule of thumb is that everything needs about a pound of nitrogen per thousand square feet. That's a good rate. Everything mm-hmm. will like that. The difference is the frequency. Mm-hmm. Turf, roses, heavy feeders, you want to feed them like once a month or so or every two months. you know. Mm-hmm. But you have things like azaleas that two feedings a year will do it. Mm-hmm. Perennials, mm-hmm. one feeding, some of those will yeah. do it. And you know, if you look at like uh, Tony Avent, who, who mm-hmm. you know, from Plants Delights, he fertilizes nothing. Yeah, You know, he does proper soil prep when he plants mm-hmm. things. He adds organic matter over the top through the course of years, but he ev- never uses right. any fertilizer, period. Organic or inorganic. Really? Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And he has one of the finest arboretums, you know, that mm-hmm. he and the University of, I guess, the, I don't know if it's the University of North Carolina, North Carolina State, I'm not sure, uh, have there. And, you know, he has huge select. You know, he has like 1,100 varieties of Lycoris. You know? Yeah, wow. I mean, so, I That's mean, intense. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm yeah. still a big proponent. I like to feed things. I do, too, mm-hmm. because uh, you get res- you get results from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yes. uh, you, know, I, you know, you stimulate growth, and I, j- I just yeah. think overall, I mean, it doesn't hurt to right. give that little extra boost. Now, are plants going to grow, like you said, Jim? If I had, if I fed nothing in my yard or my landscape this whole year, I'm not going to die by any mm-hmm. means. Right. But when it, especially when it comes to my grass, yeah. you know, I, I want to feed it to really get it going, keep it green. And I probably overdo it, to be honest with you, because it causes me to cut more my, often. More often yeah. I, and there again, I probably don't cut and it. And water more often. Exactly. So Vita. you're putting more emissions and, but, and wasting our water. Yeah, yeah, but it looks so good. <laughs> but back to the math we were talking about there. You know, it, it, like I say, everything takes about a pound of nitrogen per thousand square feet. So that's a good rate. What varies is the amount of nitrogen you have in the bag. Okay, mm-hmm. it could be six percent, could be thirty percent. Mm-hmm. So the easiest way to tell how much that bag will cover is you take the first number, the nitrogen. Let's say that you're you're using six twelve twelve. Right. You multiply the six times the weight of the bag. Let's say it's a fifty pound bag. That's three hundred. You right. have a zero to the end. It covers three thousand square feet. How simple is that? Uh, and it works well, on everything. Five pounds of Miracle Grow. <laughs> it works on everything. Now, what you have to now decide is, you know, I've got this that I can cover. 5,000 square feet, 3,000 square feet. Right. So I have to use that amount of fertilizer out of that bag, yeah. the volume and the weight. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really not very difficult. Yeah. That, that well, just makes so much sense. One of the, when I was first converting over to organics, one of the uh, things were I didn't have to do the math because when it's um, compost and stuff like that, you know, you just lay it out on, on the ground. Or, or if it's a tablespoon of espoma, you know, you can just take a handful and throw it out. But that was my big thing is I don't have to do all this this math. And it's kind of like eating. You don't have to count calories if you eat the good stuff, yeah. you know. And, and so that was like um, the same with the natural fertilizers. And, I, I mean, 
There's so many other reasons, but it was the math that was making me insane. So you, you know, could grossly it, overdo it and not feel yeah, it, guilty. Yeah. yeah, and you're not going to hurt anything. But you also can waste fertilizer if you're doing mm. a lot of fertilizer. True. Yeah, you know, if you yeah. take a look at like uh, mill organite, what's it? Six like percent. Six, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, it comes in 24, 24, a 32 pound bag. 32 pound bag. Yeah. So you that will cover that like 1,800 square feet or right. so. If you put it over 500 square feet, you're not going to kill anything, right. but you don't have to do that to get the results you want. That's true. Right, right, yeah. Well, my thing was if it's 40-pound bag and you read that the 40-pound bag does 5,000 square feet, then I made sure that I walked it slow enough to make to make sure, because I knew my yard was 5,000 square feet or Well, more, and, and so. everybody needs to know about how big their yard is in square mm-hmm. footage. I mean, yeah. just it doesn't have to be exact, but, but a, a, a good guesstimate mm-hmm. so if you buy a bag of fertilizer like jim and Veda's talking about that covers ten thousand square feet and your yard is only five thousand square feet even if it's a non-burning fertilizer you haven't done yourself any good mm-hmm. right, you know? right yeah uh, and like jim said yeah. you can get too much fertilizer down now some of these fertilizers actually burn if you can get burn. absolutely if you get mm-hmm. too much down at one time i've seen people you know who would go out in the spring and put uh, triple 13 down, put a full bag over their yard, which they really didn't need. But then they come back and think it's not green enough. So yeah. they put a full bag of ammonia nitrate in your real. Are you talking real. about Kenneth? <laughs> <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> Underline exclamation point. <laughs> no, Betty, because I would have done Urea twice. Oh, right. Right. Jim was just being nice. I had a, uh, and we'll talk about this when we get back from the break, but I had a lady uh, call me yesterday, old customer, and talked to her in a while, but she's fixing to move out of town. She's moving to Massachusetts out of all places. And she is taking a lot of container-grown plants, mm-hmm. uh, or the movers are, up there for her. Well, it's pretty cold up there, okay? Yeah. And she's like, what do I need to do between here and there mm-hmm. to protect these plants that are going to be back in a big, you know, like a U-Haul yeah, truck? Right. Out. So, we, you know, we went over. I'll, I'll tell you what, what we went over. But I'm like... Are these tropicals? And, or, well, or? they were... Most of them were hardy plants in these containers, Jim. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, not like a hibiscus or anything uh-huh. like that. Right. But, uh, in fact, I got time. So I was like... She, she said, listen, they're going to start loading these things in the back of this moving truck. And I said, well, first of all, make sure they're well watered. You know, I don't care if it's cold or not. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure they're hydrated for the trip, right? Right. So make sure they're well watered before you put them back there. And I would try to group them all together back in, you know, one back, the back of the van or the moving truck or in a corner, whatever. And then I said, you need to do one or two things. Either you need to cover these things. And I said, just get some rice straw or wheat straw and just pile it up on these pots. And then she said, well, I've also got some insulation, these rolls of insulation. Yeah. And I said, well, you can just kind of build a wall you uh-huh. know, around these pots and fill it with some of this uh, rice straw. Yeah, put and, the furniture on the outside and the plants down the middle. Well, or anything. But, mm-hmm. you know, but she was just, thank goodness she was. She was thinking ahead, Jim, of these, can these things make the trip to Massachusetts? Where if it's three degrees yeah. up there, these things are sitting in the back of a truck of course, the truck's probably at a truck stop, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the middle of the night. So other than keeping those things moist and, and, and trying to insulate them, I mean, what else can you do, you know? Yeah, no luck. No. But I thought that was uh, pretty cool that someone's taken the time to take their plants mm-hmm. that are in these containers yep. all the way up to Massachusetts. Now, are the same plants that are in containers here going to grow in Massachusetts, you know, through the winter? I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, because I didn't get into what yeah. kind of plants they were, but we it, it wasn't tropicals, though. Plants are, let's see, plants are the new pets. Yeah. And kids are the new 
Plants. No, I said that wrong. <laughs> what was it? What was it? Tell me, Jim. Plants are the new pets, and I guess kids are the no, new... plants are the new kids. And kids Pet. are the new pets. Yeah, that's it. Pest. That's how that went. Was it no, pest? Pet. Pest. Oh, pest. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, that's yeah, how that went. You're trying to get me One in trouble. of the issues is, though, is if their ag department stops the truck. Oh, you got a point. Because they're, she's moving plants out of a fire ant restricted area. Oh. Into an area that doesn't have fire ants. So, you know, they could, if they quarantine spot, that stuff, take it off and destroy it. They sure could. Hmm. We have fire ants around here. <laughs> Gee whiz, yes. <laughs> Would they know. live in Massachusetts? Uh, close to the shore, yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, every well, they yeah. used to not live in Memphis either, so yeah, well, it's just, know. Just, just don't take them. But that's I'm really, this, the, th- this lady was more concerned with these plants in these containers mm-hmm. than she probably was the, you know, the... Uh, the the dining room table that was going on the back of the truck. Oh, my goodness. Which I thought was great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, right. Okay, 260-5926. You're listening to the Mighty 990. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome back. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. And I mean, really, give us a call. We got to change our topics. No, it's crazy. No. Yeah, we've been talking about bird poop and everything else this morning. If you want to shoot us a text, the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening, um, it's that easy, Miss Veda. And then if you miss all of this, somehow, some way, you can listen to the podcast, kwmradio.com, streaming live all the time. Do it at your convenience. Also, we're getting lots of activity now with a little warmer weather on on our Facebook group, Mid-South Gardening, Gardening in USDA Zone 6, 7, and 8. And in fact, this week, I think we've had over 100 members join. Good Lord. Yeah, it's uh, and we've had a number Who's of... left? Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So uh, I'm, we've been doubling about every year, and, and my hopes are that we will double this year, go from ten to 20,000 uh, followers. Jim, but that just means much more work for you, That's honestly. Okay. That's okay, you know? And, and it may get to the point where I have to delegate some of this mm-hmm. to um, some of my co-hosts. Like Paul what? Little. Paul, <laughs> Paul Little will somebody. come up. <laughs> what? That's, uh, that's really... But, but it, yeah, you know, you can reach us during the week and post your problems, you know, or or you brag. And we got a lot of pictures of just things that are happening right now. People with hellebores in bloom. So it's uh, you know, and like I say, you ain't bragging if you can do it. That's, that's right, right, Jim. All right, Philip. Thank you for the call. You're in the Mid South Garden. What can we do for you? Okay. Uh, good. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, okay, I wanted to talk about the tree and shrub drenched insect protection. Mm-hmm. And I, I heard Jim talk about this on the show last year, mm-hmm. and I wanted to go over my situation. Okay. Okay. Uh, I've, I've got a mature red oak tree, and I measured the diameter of 39 inches. And uh, so so would that be a, a candidate to try this to prevent the woody galls from forming? Yes, but you need to measure the circumference. Okay. Uh, okay. Four feet off the ground. Yeah. Okay. And, and then, uh, and then that you're going to use one ounce for every inch. Okay, so that's the circumference of it. Okay, right. so that's going to be that's going to be. Uh, it's going to be a good bet if it's a big tree. Yeah. Okay. But you're uh, going to get at least a year, probably two uh, years of, of protection. So you know it's well worth the investment. And and you don't don't put it out in the root zone. You pour it just right off of the base, right where the flare is. Mm-hmm. Just right. doesn't matter how right. much water you put it in, two gallons, five gallons, just put it in enough to walk all the way around the tree. Yeah. Okay. Um now uh, the time should be coming up pretty soon to do that, is that right? Uh yes. 
Yes, because your sap's starting to rise already. Oh, okay. So, so right now? Yes, absolutely. And the only stipulation, Philip, is they don't want you to do it if the ground is waterlogged. Yeah. I mean, so you don't want to do it right after a rain. Uh, but right now, you know, this time of year and way the soil conditions are, perfectly fine. Oh, okay. Now, we, we've got a big rain coming in tomorrow night, so should I wait until after that rain? It doesn't really matter as far as afterwards. You just don't want to pour it when the when the ground is already saturated with water. Yeah, I'm not sure that it's going to be that much of a rain. Um, you know, it, it may update, yeah. but you know, if okay. we're just looking at a quarter inch or so, go ahead and do it. You do it today. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a particular brand? Well, the cheapest that I know of is Fertilome Systemic Drench, and that's just because you can get it in a two and a half gallon jug. Right. Whereas if you go to the box stores and get Bears, which is and they're they're the manufacturer, they only put show and put it up on the shelves in a quart, so it costs you a good bit of money. Yeah, uh, but yeah, in, okay. and you can only get Fertilone through independent garden centers or online. Okay, you can't just walk into the to the box stores because they're not going to have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see it on Amazon. Okay, okay, great. I appreciate the information. Hey, thanks for calling. Appreciate you thanks, listening Bella. this morning. Thanks, buddy. Thank you for the call. They also have it at independent garden centers, too, the yeah. Fertilome. Yeah, that's what Jim was saying. That's that the only place you can find it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay, yeah. And that's where well, I get so it. I usually, wait, are they doing I, it online? I never see it on sale at yeah. on online, but mm-hmm. I've seen it on sale a number of times. In fact, when I was out at Dan West Highway 64, we ran it on sale out there yeah. quite mm-hmm. often. And, you know, uh, because a lot, if you've got five crepe myrtles, you need a big jug. Yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, it comes typically in a quart, a gallon, and a two and a half gallon. Uh, and the beauty is if you need a bunch of it, two and a half gallon by far is the cheapest way to buy right. it per ounce uh, than it is the other way. Yeah, so the product you're talking about works on the crepe myrtle bark scale, works on regular just scale on your shrubs. If you've got shrubs that you've been having a lot of insect problems with, go ahead and do that right now. And trees. You know, as we're coming up, yeah. It doesn't do much for, for spider mites. And it also mm-hmm. doesn't do much for caterpillars. That's right. So, you know, if you've got bagworms or tent caterpillars or things like that you're trying to get rid of, it isn't going to help you much. But if you've like pecan phylloxera, if you've got have a, got pecan trees, great product for that. Uh, you can use it on, <clears throat> on fruit trees because it does not pass into the fruit. It's amazing. Uh, That's yeah. right. Um, and, and we find that true with so many things. In fact, um, several weeks ago, I mentioned just briefly to Kenneth, I think, uh, Veda one here, that uh, there was a recent study done with imidacloprid on butterfly weed mm-hmm. to see if it had any effect on either the 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 butterfly or the caterpillar, and it had no effect whatsoever on them. So there's not it's it's treating the plant, but it's not getting enough of it into the flower, yeah, yeah, or into the foliage to and it because it doesn't mm-hmm. kill caterpillars, but it's not getting enough into the flowers to do any damage to the butterflies. Yeah, that's good. What what would you be treating a butterfly weed? Well, for? I wouldn't. Yeah, you know, but some people you get spittle bug on them sometimes. Yeah. You get you definitely you know, get aphids. Yeah, you get which, some aphids. Which really you know. doesn't kill them out. It, but, it doesn't. I know. usually just wipe those so, off. You know. Same. Yeah. Uh, but occasionally, but now we know. But well, it, because people needed to know that. Yeah, though. and when you've yeah. got other things that you are trying to pr- yeah. protect, and you've got a butterfly weed sitting in the middle of right. it, you don't want to worry about that butterfly weed killing right. everything. Yeah. That's right. Because you can't yeah. just put it around the root system of one plant because the root systems are all connected. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So that's good to know. That's good. So our monarchs, our butterflies, are all good. Yep. Yep. And that's the uh, the fertilone tree and shrub insect drench that's got the imidacloprid in it, like Jim was just talking about, that you can use. Now, you can also buy imidacloprid in different forms. You can buy it in a spray, 
you know, a ready-to spray that you just hook to your hose and spray your plants down. Let's say lace bug on azaleas. Right. But um, not when they're in bloom. Right. But mm. I'll... But I like the idea of using a drench because, like Jim said, if you're using a drench around a tree or a shrub, it's going to last for at least a growing season, most of the time up to two growing seasons. I was looking at my notes. I do my notes with talk to text. Let me tell you about what we're going to talk about next. If your container gardens reflux, we have carrots, grass, hooker up, English ivy, and different colors of hoopera. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what did yeah. you that's what let, let me tell you <laughs> when you're watching at home and yeah. the closed captions uh-huh. you will not believe what you guys actually say it doesn't come it doesn't look at all no, like what you're saying <laughs> what funny. i tried to say if you uh-huh. need your container gardens <clears throat> refreshed we have carrots grass and hookara and different colors. That's what I tried to say, but hey, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Hey, I ain't learned Southern yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that talk to text does not understand Southern at all, does it? That's funny. No, it does not. Good so Lord. anyway, now you know that hooker is great for containers, and Carex is another good one for containers. That's where I was going with this. Is if you have containers and you want to freshen them up, don't just think there's nothing you can do. Uh, that wouldn't have any color in it. And, you know, that hookara, the uh, tiarellas, the carex grasses, all those are evergreen and have different textures of colors and all. And then there you can even just put an evergreen Christmas tree type shaped plant, whether it's an arborvita or a dwarf Alberta spruce. Now, put there, that in there. Is there a difference between the hookara and the hookarella? There is, mm-hmm. but. You know, I, I just. Don't you treat call them exactly them all the, the same, same Jim? Thing, yeah. Well. <laughs> Even though they're not, I think eucarilla is a better um, container plant. Mm -hmm. Okay, the eucaras that we talk about that have the um, velosa background Mm -hmm. are better in the ground than the other uh, eucaras. And there's a lot of them out there on the market. Yeah, and there are a number of tiarellas now with different flowers. Uh, Spring symphony, I think, is absolutely Mm -hmm. spectacular. Uh, and they do quite well here, you know, because they're native all over the southeast in the mountains. Now, can we call that a foam flower? That we, we yeah. call that a foam flower. <laughs> okay. And then you know, eucara is a, is a coral belt, and then a eucarilla is a what is it? A coral belt and a tiarella. Yeah, it's it's, it's a, a foamy bell. bell. Yeah, that's yeah, what it is. Foamy bell. It's a foamy it bell. It does say foamy bell, it does. doesn't it? <laughs> all right, y'all. <laughs> We'll talk about um, planting gardens reflux after this. 901-260-5926. You're listening to KWAM. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990. Powered by Palladio Home and Garden. With your host, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We're in our second hour. Love to have you give us a call today, 901-260-5926. Yep, if you want to shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening, it's really easy to do. Uh, and if you miss all of this, you can listen, go back and listen to the podcast anytime you want at your convenience. Uh, what, kwamradio.com? Yes. Streaming live all the time? All the time. Had a lady walk into the garden center the other day, the other morning, first customer in, and she was listening to the podcast as yeah. she walked in the door. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. And I told her, thank you very much yes, for doing that. Yes, yes, yeah. it's perfect. I'm enjoying having the podcast. So um, we were talking about the hookarellas and things like that, and Jim was talking about the Velocia. 
Velosa. Yeah, that's the, the Euchre Velosa is native to the southeast of the United States, so it, it it likes our weather. It understands our soil, you know. So mm-hmm. it does quite well here, even with less than perfect soil. Right. Oh, and know. well, let's even back this up because when at garden centers started receiving heuchera plants, coral bells, many many years ago, mm-hmm. and initially, Jim, they're one that. That I know of that many varieties. Yeah, I remember when Palace Purple came out, and right. I thought, wow, look yeah. at that. And, and it has beautiful <laughs> foliage on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then now there are hundreds, if not more, varieties on the market. Uh, and some of them do better here in the Mid-South than other ones. And you're saying... Yeah, if you're going to plant it in the ground, <coughs> do a little research on it. You know, And usually on the label, it will tell you whether it's a Velosa hybrid. Mm-hmm. Um, some plants, some places don't. You know, they just put... Uh, Perennial. Right, right. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so look for caramel. Caramel's good. That's a good I've one. done really good with that. And I have one I like even better is one called Mega Caramel, which mm. has the foliage is huge. You gotta caramel. get the Mega It's like eight inches across. Oh. It's just spectacular and yeah. goes through our winter with a charm. Mm. Yeah. I'm fixing to steal the one that's planted in my house and move it to my new oh, place. Right. And what about the chartreuse colored ones? The yeah, citronelle is my favorite mm. of the ones that do quite well here. Now, sometimes in the middle of the winter, it's in full sun. It'll uh-huh. bleach out a little bit, yeah. but as soon as it warms up a little bit, pops that bright new lime green growth, and it's just spectacular. Yeah. There's electrical like, lime. Too. Yeah, electrical electric lime. Electric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, Autumn Bride, y'all should write these down, Bronze Wave. Bronze Wave. I'm hey, have you seen the maple leaf? I have. There's a new maple leaf mm-hmm. velosa. I haven't seen that. You have. Yep. Huh. Mm, Got to look into that one. Now, what about, where do y'all like to put these? In morning sun, filtered yeah, shade, high yeah, shade? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Try to keep them out of the hot, blazing hot afternoon. afternoon. Sun, right. yeah. Dry areas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dry areas. Like with your Lenten rose. But, yeah. Same water tolerates Tolerates dry areas around the base of a tree really yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. And then you mentioned Tiarella, which is, mm-hmm. to me, is just old-fashioned foam flower. flower. Right. I love that. But the foamy flower mm-hmm. is different from just Tiarella, well, right? Well, no, Tiarella is foam flower. Right. Yeah. Then you have Eucharo, which was coral bells. And right. then when they cross the two of them mm-hmm. to make Eucharella, and they call them foamy bells. Yes. Ah, it makes me insane. <clears throat> yeah. But... <laughs> and and I really I like I like the the tiarellas and I like the euchras. The eucarellas have, have for me at least have done best in containers. Mm-hmm. They've not done as well on the ground because right. our drainage here is not perfect. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Very well said, Jim. Yeah, that's that's what I'm finding too. Well, you know, it's uh, like you were talking about the tiarella and all that. The the velosa, all these are the tiarella. No, the Hookarella and the hookaras, a tiarella. Well, think about all these house plants now. I just, because I kept hearing like, this is a money plant, and this is a money plant, oh, yeah, and this that's... is a money plant. Well, it, the money plant, it's like there's a Chinese money plant. Which is pecora. Yeah, and then there's a money plant. And which is, is can be lunaria, which is a biennial. Yeah. It can also be, was it linaria, which is a perennial. Right. Or. But not here usually. It's that um, the the money plant's also a house plant that's got palmatum-shaped leaves. I can't think of what the other one is. Is there a peperomia is. of some type? No. <clears throat> huh. Oh, I can't think of what it is right now, but it's a money tree. <laughs> But I found out because we kept saying, well, this is a money plant and this is a money plant, yeah. but they're totally different. And but or they call it the um, pancake plant, the UFO plant, 
um, even the missionary plant, because the missionaries actually brought it over from Australia. And, and that's a real and problem. that's a house plant? Real yeah. problem. Yeah. Common names, you know. Uh-huh. Wherever you are in a country, you know, the names will just vary so much. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. You don't know how you can't. And now the botanical names are changing so frequently, nobody knows whether or not you're talking about the right exactly. ones or not. That is true. I'm like, I don't even know what to say anymore. I know. I'm still stunned that we no longer have Sanseveria. San Same. You know, snake plant. Yeah, yeah. That then, it's now they're now all just seen us. Who to thunk it? Uh huh. And it's then just, I remember when they were changing some of the clematis. Mm-hmm. You know, like the fall blooming clematis mm-hmm. used to be what clematis, paniculata, oh, paniculata. Yeah, and then they changed oh, the they gym to something that? else. I didn't know yeah, that. yeah. Is it autumn nellis now or something? I think so. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, to me, it's always easier to say the common names. Right. <laughs> and we found out that split leaf philodendron really isn't a philodendron. Yeah. yeah, but I'm yeah. still going to call it a split leaf okay. philodendron. I know. I guess that'll just date it. It's a Talatophyllum bipinidifidum. Talatophyllum bipinidifidum. I've really tried on that. You see what I mean? How it's just so much easier to say the common name. Yeah, that's yeah. why we say the common name, but that's why we need the botanical names yeah. also. I used to be such a diehard wanting to try to educate people in, mm-hmm. in the nursery. And when I, you know. And I thought I was really trying to do good things and yeah. realized that nobody cares for the most part. Right. Well, but it does make a difference when you are truly trying to classify. That's right. You right. Know, and, and, and serious gardeners, you know, mm-hmm. uh, really, really do care. Which is a lower percentage as the uh, whole. Right. The so. vast number of people who are actually doing something in their garden yeah. are not diehard gardeners. Well, remember how in signage, when we were learning to make signage, it would be common name. Then it would be the botanical mm-hmm. name, and eventually that just kind of slid off because everybody just wanted to know mm-hmm. what it was. They wanted to know it was a Hellera holly. Yeah. They didn't care. Right. Don't you make know, me think too Half much. of them now you can't pronounce anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's I like all the meds I take now. I can't pronounce any of them. <laughs> used to be there was aspirin, excedrin. <laughs> yeah. Formula 44 Now these things have got lots of Zs and Ys and Vs in them. And how do you get <laughs> that yeah. is true. Yeah. Uh, what about cutting monkey grass back now? No, wait. I wanted to say one Go more ahead. thing, though, about houseplants. Um, there, <laughs> oh, my friend Leslie showed me a, a post of this girl who had a hanging basket, um, Brazil, Brazil uh, philodendron. Yeah. And she put on on the uh, site, this. what's wrong with my basket? It looks horrible. You know, it's it's draping over the pot. And so, of course, everybody's like, it's beautiful. It's supposed to look that. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. No, it wasn't draping. It was climbing up because they like to climb, obviously. And she wanted it to trail more. So she asked if she could put weights on each little leaf to pull it down to make it trail downwards instead of letting it grow upwards in her house. And I was like, well, no and yeah. <laughs> but it was... Just the things that we go through to make you can to make our plant sure. do what we want it to do. But I'm like little weights on each leaf. And the fact pull. that we do that uh, and causes so many of them to die. Yeah. That the three of us here have made a fairly decent, good living. <laughs> yes. <of y'all>. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, go ahead and do that. But, yeah. we, <laughs> but we do try to manipulate the growth on a lot mm-hmm. of different things. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. bonsai's manipulating. That's right. It? And yeah. yeah, it is. You know, you're you're. There and there are rules that you follow, and then mm-hmm. like John Locke told me one time, it's okay to break the rules as long as you know the rules. 
Ooh, right, nice. which is which yeah. is important, you know. Can I say that when I get pulled over, Jamie? Yeah, he sure. used to be a police officer, Jamie. If you pull me over, can I say? <laughs> <laughs> I know the rules, but it's okay to break it because I know the rules. Uh-huh. You'll still get a ticket, <laughs> right? But, right. But you even, know that makes sense with the plants. What you're saying, but though. even yeah, even yeah. espaliering a plant against uh-huh. the wall, um, you know, making diamond uh, patterns out of pyracantha on the, a wall. I mean, you, all you of that. that and that's I'm, one of the things I'm going to do today. I've got some blackberries that I want to try to train up on the <gasps> wall, you know, and they, you, th- because they're blackberries and you're only going to bear on the second year mm-hmm. wood. It's not something I want to permanently attach uh-huh. up there because they're going to die and I got to cut them out. Yeah. But I want to, uh, you know, just very easily tack them up there to hold them on the, oh. away from everything else. I because like that. They're thornless. Me too. They're what huge. are you going to use? Well, what I'm thinking is, you know, the florist tape, the green yes. kind of mm-hmm. stretchy stuff, is use that and staple them on each uh, side. And then I can easily oh, yeah. remove that, uh-huh. you know. And it's soft enough, Jim, where it's not going to cut into the tissue, exactly. you know. Yeah. yeah. All right, let me ask you a question. Let's say if you've got like an arch that goes over a walkway, mm-hmm. and you've got a, a vine growing on, planted on yeah. one side. You know how it will grow up the arch. Right. To the top, mm-hmm. but it doesn't want to grow down on the yeah, other side. Yeah, I always want to mm-hmm. grow up. Kind of like, yeah. you know, certain, a lot of plants don't want to grow downward. Yeah. Name one that does. Name I know, one. See, I can't think Probably kudzu. <laughs> it <know>. will. Because <laughs> it grows every kind of I don't of know way. of any, Jim. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. Unless you there, put weights on them. There are very few plants that actually hang down. Most of them are, thing, are epiphytes that just... From the weight of their foliage. Oh, yeah. oh now, yeah. I get that. But nothing naturally wants to, well, I shouldn't right. say anything, Jim, but that's why you would need to plant a vine on either side of the arch, right, you know, right. to grow it up and meet you in, in the, the middle. middle. Mm-hmm. Because it's hard to, now you could train it, you could keep making it go down, yeah. but it's always trying to go back but up. But then right. you lose, if you're trying to get blooms out of it, you lose the bloom or less blooms because then it's trailing down. Right. And so, if you look at plants like um, Pothos or Devil's Ivy, you know, if as long as it's growing up, mm-hmm. the leaves get bigger and bigger yes. and bigger. Yes. But when you start letting it grow down, the leaves get smaller and smaller. Yep. smaller. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah. Amazing. So, Less farther know, from the The best thing to do yeah. is plant on each side of the trellis so yeah. that they can, you got one that can go up one side and one go up on the other. Well, and that's my whole thing. I would tell this young lady that Veda's talking to to find a plant that wants to naturally weep out of the pot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't go out there and try to weight these things down right. to make it go that way. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, one more break, y'all. Just hang on. We'll be right back. 901-260-5926. Mid-South Gardening. Post a question on Facebook Live or just watch us. 901-260-5926. You can call us. And then if you're listening to our podcast and want to post, a, well, you can't post a question, but if you have a question, you put it on our Facebook page that Jim yes, does. Yes. Mid-South Gardening, Gardening in USDA Zone 678. That's a great one. Right. Yeah. And of course, you know, these next month or so, tons of garden talks to go to, mm-hmm. um, tons of information on Independent Garden Center's websites and mm-hmm. all. You should really check those out for like the, our area information. I was at a red light on the way home yesterday afternoon, uh, and there were some, it was a wall there, and there were some shrubs planting in front of the wall, and then there was these um, mounds of uh, monkey grass that were planting, planted in, around them and in front of them. And they were already cut way back, about two inches off the ground. And I know we're talking about monkey grass here, trust me. But when do you think is the best time to start cutting back monkey grass? I mean, wouldn't you wait till mid-February before you started on that? Yeah. Or would you just look at the weather and kind of go with what the weather tells you? 
I, I think that's part of it. You know, I always did mine in January. Mm-hmm. You know, the first nice day you get out there with a weed eater and whack it down and sleep it up and it's over with. Well, I mean, and then didn't you hear the argument behind that was, okay, if I cut this stuff down to, you know, an inch or two off the ground, we get some more crazy, bitter, cold weather in here. Doesn't matter. It's going to die. Foliage going to die anyway. Well, I know, but would it affect the roots at all? Because it was no, a, opened think. up. Everything. Right. Yeah, I saw them weed eating that uh, yesterday. And I, but first I was like, man, should they be doing that right this now? Early? Yeah, this early. And then I was like, well... Maybe. I don't guess it hurts anything, but I'm like you. I thought it might expose the Stalins to the winter more. I think what's going to happen is if we get, you know, a couple of weeks like this temperature we got right now, you're going to see new growth starting. Right. And then right. if you weed eaters, you're going to end up cutting the tips off and they're going to be ragged and, right. and, and brown. And that upsets <sighs> some people. That's but, a good point, too. <laughs> but remember yeah. way back when it was the Jim and Jim show 100 mm-hmm. years ago, it was Jim yeah. uh, Crowder oh, yeah. and Jim Brown. And they're. They would just argue constant uh-huh. about the best way to cut monkey grass uh-huh. back, and I never will forget that. And Jim was like, get the bush hog, the <laughs> weed eater, mm-hmm. whatever it takes to get that stuff cut back. We're talking about monkey grass yeah, here. Yeah. And Jim Brown was like, no, 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 go get a you know a nice pair of Japanese uh, bladed uh, scissors, mm-hmm. you know, and cut. And I'm like, I'm with okay. Jim. I'm with Jim on this. Yeah, blade. <laughs> okay, so that was probably discussed in the uh, mid 90s um, is probably when that's true we started this show in i think in ni- eight, late 1989 yeah. or early 1990 so about four years ago as i'm sitting on the ground in front of a big thing of monkey grass yeah. i'm remembering Me this too. conversation of the jim and jim about weed eating it versus scissoring it you know mm-hmm. nice and i had nice so i'm sitting it was sunshine or it was spring um, in the shade, beautiful weather. I'm sitting on the ground with the, you know, cutting it all nice and, you know, because I'm gardening. I'm not go mow and blow. I'm gardening. But it doesn't. But I look up and I go, I don't have that much time. Ricky, get the weed eater. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Because it doesn't matter because once you cut yeah, it down, it it's the matter. new growth that you want to see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's the most important thing about it. But also, I had a this is this happened yesterday. Had a customer come into the garden center, had his baggie, pulled it out, and I thought he might have some poan or something mm-hmm. like that in there. And he said, "What kind of grass is this?" And it was actually a type of monkey grass. Okay, and this was a house down in Midtown, and he said it's all over the yard. Spicata. Thank you, yeah. Jim. And he said, he said, why is that? And I said, well, the story is, you know, years ago, especially back in the 50s and 60s, as Jim invaded well, well no, people would plant monkey grass. <laughs> yeah, she was too. <laughs> yeah. Well, but my I point, wasn't. though, is. I wasn't. People would plant, people would plant spicata, monkey grass, uh-huh. and that stuff would spread like wildfire everywhere. Mm-hmm. Where now we're mostly planting muscari-type mm-hmm. monkey grasses yeah. that are more clump-forming. And he said, shook his head, and he's like, okay, so this is monkey grass? And I went, yes, it's nothing but pure monkey grass. And that's probably what it was, Jim. It was probably that spicata variety that just really moved around. Now, if you had a big old bank or a ditch bank that you're trying to cover. Perfect for it. Perfect, like Don't you said. Don't have to mow it. Just let it grow. But if you've got monkey grass that you're, like, uh, boarding beds and stuff with, like we do mostly mm-hmm. now, not the kind that you no. would want. So now, there, you, there are a couple of spicatas that aren't bad. There's one uh, variegated one, I think it's called Silver Dragon, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it's not as aggressive as yeah. the old green one, as but it still 
doesn't grow in clumps, yeah, you know, right. like like mascara. It's does. around. You see yeah. it around. So, uh, you know, I was we were. What was the thing you said, Jim? Um, if you know the rules, you can it, break it's the okay rules. To break the rules yeah. as and long I as you said, know the rules. Yeah, and I said, you know, Jamie and Jan. Jamie used to be a police officer, and I said, would well, J- Jamie, would I get in trouble? Said that on air. He says, Jamie said, yes, this is what Jan said. You will get a ticket for knowing and breaking the rules and possibly a chauffeur ride to 201 Poplar for being a smart, uh-huh. <laughs> it's like if you rob a bank, the excuse can't be, I, I didn't know that robbing a bank was illegal, right? Right, right. You exactly. can't use that as an excuse. Yeah. But this gentleman wanted to know how to kill this monkey grass. Mm-hmm. And we all know oh. that that can be a little tough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I told him, I said, look, you got a couple options here. Either you can go out there and try to dig up every bit that you see, and that's a good way to get rid of it. Just physically dig it out of there. Or you can get something like a Roundup-type product, Jim, as you know. And I said, look, I would make sure to add a surfactant to the product uh, and spray this um, these tufts of monkey grass everywhere you see them. I said, now, you're going to have to spray more than one time, and you're going to have to stay on this, kind of like bamboo. Mm-hmm. It's going to take more than one application. I said, but if you stay with it and you're persistent, uh, you'll eventually get rid of it. But mm-hmm. I don't know of any better way other than spot treating and trying to dig it out of there. Yeah, if it's in the lawn, I've had fair success with just spraying it with um, Trimec. Yeah. you know. Um, but when you get it into flower beds yeah. and it's going everywhere, yeah. then Roundup's really about your only option. Yeah. And I've had the best luck killing monkey grass I have a little spicata that was in the garden when I moved there, and it's still a few spots here and there. Um, but cut it down early in the spring. Let it get up about four inches tall. Good, tender, nice yeah. growth. Spray it with Roundup. And I usually put a little triclopyr in there, a little brush killer. Uh, and, and usually I get no re-sprouts. Occasionally I get a re-sprout, but then zap it the second time, and it's gone. Perfect. Yeah. So... Yeah. Uh, I noticed it's supposed to start raining tonight around nine, and then rain all day tomorrow. Mm. So there's two. There's a number of things, man. Like you can plant right now. This would be a good time if you wanted to do some planting, like some trees or or a, a barrier of some sort, hollies, whatever. You could do that now, definitely. And then when it rains, that's just always a benefit. But we're having weeds and stuff come up. Is there anything we can spray for weeds now, even though it's going to rain in a little bit? Are we going to have to wait till another dry day? Or yeah, can we? most of your herbicides, when you're spraying them, most of them, it's no rain for at least 24 hours. And, you know, we mentioned broadleaf weeds already growing in people's lawns uh, and spraying with something like a Weed Beater Ultra or Weed Free Zone because those products work when the temperatures are as low as 45 degrees. But any of those and all of those, you surely don't want to spray if you know it's going to rain within 24 hours. So, yeah, today's not going to be the best day to spray to go out there and mop up some of those broadleaf weeds that are growing. But you should go ahead and get it because after it rains next week, it's going to be good weather to treat if you need to treat weeds or pull them out and we or say, leave them if they're the hen bit and the clover. And we say this all the time. You know, a lot of people in their mind, and it in a way that it's right, they think they can go out there and spray their dormant Bermuda or Zoysialone with Roundup and not have any kind of repercussions on the turf, right? Right. Well, like we always say, a lot of times Bermuda and Zoysia might look dormant, look dormant. It doesn't mean that it is dormant. So if I'm using Roundup, Jim, in a lawn, even though it looks brown, I'm still going to use it as a spot treat only. Yeah. Because I've known so many people that have gone out there and sprayed that whole lawn uh-huh. thinking it's not going to do any damage because they think the grass is dormant. 
and a lot of times it's not. It's still green tissue in most of those stems down yeah, when you get right. close to the ground. In fact, Bermuda dies at about eight degrees, so you have those little nodules, little section segments of plant, and th- they get killed further and further down the longer that temperature is down like that. Mm-hmm. Gets all the way down to the ground, that Bermuda's dead, okay? Mm-hmm. It ain't coming back. Mm-hmm. So you want to be very careful stressing it with particularly broadleaf weed killers because Bermuda is less tolerant of broadleaf uh, weed killers than fescue is. Yeah. Wow. You know, so you want to mm-hmm. be very careful. You can kill your, if you overdose your Bermuda, you can damage it. But I don't think, even right now, I've got green zoysia, okay? Mm-hmm. It's not, you can see there's just a green cast to it right, right near the ground. So y- y- not a good idea to spray that with Roundup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless you're spot treating only. Yeah. Spot, spot. Mm-hmm. Right. And also, if you put pre-emergent out this fall and you still have some weeds coming up, well, that's going to be normal. You'll have less weeds. Yes, it you takes will. a while. Yeah, but get on that year-round program before you're going to really see results, total exactly. results. Every three months, put that pre-emergent down, starting now. Yep. All right, y'all, 260-5926. You're listening to the Mighty 990. Welcome back. I know we were talking about the groundhog and all, but what about the groundhog that lives in the south? What does the southern groundhog say the weather's going to be? Because, I mean, isn't it kind of different if this Puxatawney Bill is, where is he at? Bill, he's in Puxatawney somewhere. So, yeah. <laughs> Isn't it like up in Massachusetts or somewhere? going to be like? Pennsylvania, the, yeah. I think there's a number of little uh, oh, yeah. sightings, but this one is the one that <laughs> that what's that thing called groundhog i can't say pucks it's a big old varmint i'm field. telling you it looks like a beaver without oh, a tail no amazing if he were here mm-hmm. okay he would have seen his shadow which means we've got more winter coming yeah so luckily he lives up north <laughs> right <laughs> okay well we'll just see what's gonna happen if because you were to... <laughs> right now you know jim's forecast is working for us so far it's other than that one little Hiccup, hiccup, yep. But you have the hiccups. You do. I mean, you know, as Jim was forecasting how it's going to be uh, earlier warmth and less rain. I mean, you're talking about for the whole season. That's we right. still have a drop. All mm-hmm. the t- We still have some winter. Okay. Hey, let's go to Mr. Paul. Good morning. Mr. Paul, you're in the Mid-South Garden. Good morning, Jim, Theta, and Kenneth. Good hey. morning to you, Mr. Man, I, I am so happy I got moved to the top of the list. You <laughs> <I> did. <laughs> Paul, you got to be careful what you say around here. I know. And the way you say it, like you said, you put Jim at the top of the list and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know how that happens. <laughs> how are you, buddy, and what's going on this weekend? Uh... I'm doing I'm doing pretty good and I'm uh just glad to hear y'all on the radio. Y'all kinda get me started a little bit, cranked <laughs> up on Saturday. Uh cranky or I cranked up? <laughs> <laughs> Both. <laughs> uh my pansies took a beating during mm-hmm. that little uh icy spell we had. And which they're still green, but they look wilted and they're not dry. So what do I need to do to them, Jim? They'll just be patient, basically. You know, you can put a little fertilizer on them, like we're talking about a little little nitrate nitrogen. It will it's available even in cold ground, so you can get a little growth out of them. But you know, it's okay. it, they're going to they're going to recover. You just need a few more days like this with warm soil, and and they'll perk right back up. Yeah. 
I don't need to cut them back or anything. No, not at all. Okay, and, 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 and Mr. Paul, on that note, you know, my uh, violas that are in a hanging basket, I mean, the top of them look horrible. Yeah. And I am going to get a little right, pair of scissors, exactly. and I'm going to just not, mm-hmm. just just gently cut them back a little yeah. bit, right. Just to get that yeah. debris off of there, but they're going to be fine if I didn't. But I'm going to do mine just for aesthetic reasons. Well, I'm not, I'm not as picky as you are, Kenneth, <laughs> so I'm not going. I'm going to leave mine alone and let them just do their thing. And which oh well, Paul, <laughs> great looking pansies, but they did take a beating, and some still blooming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's like the foliage right on top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all kind of mm-hmm. got beat down, and it hadn't just hadn't perked back up yet. Yeah. I would feed them a little bit, which uh, I'm going to do to mine also. And then it's just, you know, we've got another, my God, seven <laughs> weeks of... 44 days till spring. Well, but, I mean, there's but we still got a lot of time for these pansies yeah. and volas to bloom and perform. Oh, so, right, yeah. right, yeah. Yep. Well, anyway, the other thing is uh, the Memphis Horticulture Society has a meeting at the Memphis Botanic Garden on Tuesday evening, I think at 6.30 or 7 o'clock. And there's a lady named Bree Arthur, mm. which has a real good article in Horticulture Magazine this month. And she's doing a program on, I don't know what it's about. She's uh, uh, the evolution of a plant lady is what the name of the uh, article that I'm looking at is. Mm. But she's done everything. I read the article, and she's kind of done like, well, Jim has done. He, She's done all of the things that you can do in the horticulture mm-hmm. industry. She's kind of well-rounded, so to speak. And I think it'll be a good program to kind of kick off spring with. So I wish everybody would come to that meeting. Last time I went, there was about 60 or 70 people there. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for about twice that many this time. There's always good food, too. Oh, yeah. The snacks are real good. <laughs> That's the main reason I go for that. <laughs> and the social yeah. equality mm-hmm. that yeah. we have. I just love uh, being around garden people because they're, they're great people. And I've missed that for the last three or four years yeah. I'm yeah. glad that it's going on and I'm 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 kinda going on again. I sure hope so, Mr. Paul. And that's Bree Author and that's uh with the Hort Society. You said it's this coming Tuesday at the Memphis Botanic Gardens. Yes it is. And do y'all, and like, you know, y'all mentioned the food. Mr. Paul used to always say he would go early for the grazing part. Mm-hmm. So that still goes right. on, correct? Yes, it does. Yes, okay. It does. And it's kind of well, odd, yeah. kind of odd that you mentioned that because I'm going to speak at Spring Fling this year. And I think the topic is going to be something like what I have learned over my 50 years in the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to condense <laughs> well, it down to about 45 minutes. <laughs> that would be a good, I don't know how in the world you can do that as long as you've been doing this. But uh, that'll be a good program also. Well, I hope so. Follow the spring fling. I don't know that I'm going to be a vendor, but I will be a visitor if not. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. That'd be great. I love it. Well, Mr. Paul, we always love hearing your voice. You're a dear friend of ours, always will be. Um, and I know, like I've said before a million times, that if you keep giving away northern sea oats and even some of the sedums, <laughs> people would never forget about you, Mr. Paul, which is a great thing. Well, that- that's one of the reasons we do it. Y'all do a great job, and Jim, glad you're back. Thank you, sir. I wish you'd have had a little warmer trip to Florida. 
But uh, anyway, we're glad you're back, and y'all do a great job. Thanks, Paul. Take Thank care you, buddy. Thanks, Thanks, Mr. Thanks, Paul. Uh, and I had a texter text in, uh, Marty Kaiser, great guy, on the Mid-South uh, Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. And it said, good morning, guys. Is it necessary to cut back dwarf mondo grass? No, unless it looks got bad blades on it. But there's hardly anything to cut back on dwarf mondo. Well, but I have seen it where you get the brown, you know, mm-hmm. blades depending on the winter or depending on how much yeah. you didn't water last summer. So it's definitely worth it if it's like that. Yeah, and other than that, you know, most people just leave it alone because it's so low to the ground. You typically don't see a lot of damage uh-huh. uh, on it like you do potentially monkey grass. But because and it doesn't get as thick, of course, as monkey grass. But don't think that you cannot cut dwarf mondo back because mm-hmm. you can. You know. And I'd only do it there again if it had brown tissue on it. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't go out there and just do it to do it. So, Marty, it all depends on how it looks. If it's green, leave it alone. Uh, If it's brown tips everywhere, I would get out there and and give it a good cut back and let that new growth come out green. Yeah. Yeah. So there's dwarf Mondo. There's regular Mondo, which are great ground covers. And the Carex grasses, Mazis reptans. Have you ever grown Crystal Falls Mondo? No, I've seen that available and wondered about it. It grows about, about 18 it. inches tall. It's really pretty as a clump grass. Wow. Yeah. And then there's just regular Mondo there's, yeah. instead of the dwarf. It yeah. gets taller. It has a right. little finer blade. Yeah. Uh, Looks like a little dwarf spicata. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> Jim. All right, let's go to Barbara calling from Olive Branch. Good morning, Barbara. Thanks for the call. Yep. Oh, wait. Hang on, Barbara. I think he's... Yeah, finished typing you in. Our, our wonderful Sorry. producer, Mr. Philip, in there's got two things going on. So, Barbara, hang on just a second, let, my dear. Let me, let me ask you this: We had a, one of our listeners down in Savannah, Georgia, who's a good friend of ours on the Facebook group. She's got a, a very shallow front area, and she wants to fill it full of, of bulbs that will come back year after year. You know, yeah. And and the advice I gave her was, you know. Skip tulips because they're in almost everything but a tulip. Yeah, <laughs> that's and that's pretty much what I told her. Um, and. I told her, I think probably if you went in your garden centers, you would find bulbs that have drastically reduced price oh, right yeah. now. And they may not bloom even this year, but mm-hmm. but next year they're going to be great. You guys have any bulbs left? Yes. we've got, <laughs> Like I said last weekend, we've got some uh, minor, a few minor bulbs, uh, some tulips, and some daffodils and narcissus, Jim. And they're on a really good price. <laughs> really good price this time of year. And, Betty, yeah. you said you had some amaryllis and stuff. Yeah, yeah you? we got some amaryllis. That, the, the one that I posted on the garden page, it was nine inches Wow, yeah, no, that was a huge flower. Insane. It just popped off the top of the stem, actually, so then we put it in a cup of water. But we have those. But, you know, we're having a, um, you know, garden centers and things like that do have, like, a early spring sale or oh, yeah. kind of a winter sale. And, like, we've got outdoor furniture, fountains and statuaries, some plants, some house plants, a little bit of that. But, you know, we've got a really good selection of things to choose from right now. Yeah. And and when you look at the bulbs that you're going to buy, like, you know, having worked for Dan West for years, you know, they buy these large double O2 um, uh, daffodils that are they're huge. I mean, you've got yeah. one huge bulb and usually one or two sprouts off the yeah. bottom of it already. And I mean, they're going to give you spectacular results. Yeah. But I would tell her to go ahead and get them in the ground as soon as possible. Right. And she still might get bloomed this year, Jim. Yeah. And, she, and we had one guy who has just planted some that he's had in the refrigerator since last year. Oh, last year, so right? it he might didn't take plant a them. minute to get out of that. I, but, he showed wow. them in the top of his pot, and I mean, they were white. They yeah. <laughs> 
lost all the color from being in the fridge for a year. (laughs) All right. So, Barbara, hang on after the break. Sorry about that. Mm -hmm. We'll take a break real quick. And y'all can call us 2605-926, and you're listening to KWAM. All right, good morning, and we are back. Call 901-260-5926, or you can post questions on Facebook Live. And let's go to Barbara calling from Olive Branch. Thanks for waiting, Barbara. Okay, good morning. Good morning. Anyway, I have a couple of questions. One of them is on Swiss Shard that y'all mentioned planning for the winter. Mm -hmm. Anyway, after this snow and cold spell, it is pitiful looking. Will it come back? Yeah, I think it may, you know, just this time you could prune all the the bad leaves and off to allow some sun to get down to the base, but it could possibly come back, but I I can't say for sure. Actually put, we had ours up against the building, so it had more protection and it's doing okay. Yeah, I think when you cut the top off, if that stem is firm, it's going to come back. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's mushy, just, you know, replace it or do something else, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, and something else on ornamental cabbage. I had some of that in concrete pots out the sidewalk. Well, that they don't look good. Yeah. They're just sitting there. Will they survive this? That may, you know, I've seen good looking ones and bad ones. Mine mm-hmm. turned out bad. I pulled mine up, but I've seen some that are okay. But I. What do you think, Jim? If they were snow-covered, I think you got a good chance of them coming through. So cut them back, possibly? Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, but again, that's one of those things. Just you know, cut a couple, cut the tip out of it and see if the stem is mushy. If it is, then keep cutting back until you find firm. If you don't find firm, then, you know, it's... Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because the cabbage, they were <clears throat> covered with snow. Yeah. yeah, and that snow act as an uh, insulator, Barbara. Yeah. Now... You know, do they want to get down to zero degrees? Absolutely not. But I think the saving grace could have been, like Jim was saying, invaded. the snow could have helped us all on that ornamental cabbage. Uh, I have some that are low to the ground. They look good. I shouldn't say great. I mean, they look good, actually. I mean, not great, but good. Um, so I'm going to go out there and selectively just pull off a few leaves that look a little dried or a little mushy. In your case, if the whole head is looking bad, just keep cutting it back, like Jim said, if the stem is still firm, it'll come back out. Okay, well, I sure will. Would I try to fertilize them now or just no. leave them? You know, it, it, the main thing is is just clean them up. And now if you have a little liquid plant food, you can surely pour some of that in there, and that will work really fast for you. Uh, it's not going to hurt at all. In fact, I probably would recommend to feed them to stimulate more growth. But it's not going to be a live-or-die situation whether you feed or not. Okay. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. All right, Barbara. Probably today. All All right, right. darling. Good day for it. Thanks for the call. Thanks, Barbara. Yeah, I did have a few cabbages that looked bad. It was the uh, peacock, and it just Mm -hmm. uh, inverted, and now it's just hanging down. What does it say if you read about them? If it gets down to, what is it, eight degrees, you know, they can really suffer. Yeah, I would say, you know, anywhere around 10, you're going to have trouble with them. And again, that depends on how long it stays down at that temperature. A quick down and up is not going to be an issue as much as as long as we stayed down, you know. And and we have a discussion about that on on our Facebook group. You know, it's... the normal low for zone seven plants is about 20 degrees. Mm-hmm. I mean, and if you look at the average over the last 30 years, that's kind of our average low. 
but we have these zeros and twos mm-hmm. every now and then. Uh, and a zone seven plant is supposed to survive short terms at zero degrees. Yeah. Okay. Short term. Short term. But when you're looking at four or five days, you know, particularly if it's windy, um, then there's additional yeah. stress on the yeah. plant and it may not make it. You know, and now that we're in zone eight, <laughs> right, <laughs> right, um, <Yeah>. <laughs> those plants are only supposed to survive 10 degrees for yeah. a short period of time. So we hit that on a fairly regular basis. So don't run out there and think, hey, I can buy zone eight plants now and they're going to be fine because mm-hmm. they're probably not. Yeah. You know, you're going to end up replacing them every couple of years. So, Jim, I guess once, because they have rezoned us basically, especially Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. Shelby, Tipton, and Fayette now are in zone 8A. That is crazy. I, I mean, I so can't we went from 7, 7B to in, 8. Yeah, I cannot believe Fayette is in 8. But that's all it did was move us five degrees from seven B to to eight A. Yeah, that's so. So in the last thirty years, that's what we would fit. Now, if you go back fifty years, it ain't going to be that way. But mm-hmm. that's not what they did. They looked at the last thirty years. Yeah. So, no. Okay. So, yep. like you said, though, but be careful with that, right. Jim. You know, like okay, now that we're zone eight, right? You think I can you, go get some things that I've never grown around here before. I've but always it, wanted to grow calistamine, beautiful bottle brush plant, mm-hmm. spectacular, good zone eight plant. Yeah, it ain't gonna make it here, right? Because it's, it's gonna just, drop. It's right? gonna die because yeah. our yeah. winters are still one little mm-hmm. drop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe you could do it in a micro environment, but probably not. And then also things that that um, dictate how well your plants do through bad weather is how good your soil is mm-hmm. or how moist your soil is too. So if you have like soil that drains really fast or is just kind of dead soil, that would freeze faster than a good uh, organic mixture. But so you know, and, but there again for so many plants, that may be a good thing, you know. With the drainage, the that's drainage, true, yeah. You know, that that's wouldn't true. tolerate f- mm-hmm. the the really wet frozen soil. Yeah, like so your it all depends on the plant. Like the uh mangavies or the Exactly, right. Yeah, that would need a drainage um lavender possibly lavender. Lavender's always an issue. Yeah. Uh, rosemary's an issue here when we have mm-hmm. these kind of temperatures. Man. Yeah, I don't know about rosemary yet. I know last year during the flash freeze, they were all nuked. Yeah. Uh, this year, I, th- you know, they, mm, I don't know. I don't I haven't seen any yet. So you know. Uh, and I didn't leave any outside. We put it all up. They have like rosemary hedges in boxes now. Oh, yeah. It's so cool. But um, I didn't leave those outside. But that's still to me one of those plants. I mean, it's an herb, of course, but it all it turns into a shrub, and yeah. some of them get much bigger than others. But to me, rosemary is one of those things where I always consider it an annual. Always. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times, Mm -hmm. it'll come back for years, depending on, there again, our winners. And I I pretty much sell it as a shrub with the claws of... (laughs) You know, possibly it might come back. Like it my might sister not. had when where hers was planted was kind of protected because it was in the front of the house, and then there was the rosemary shrubs, and then the sidewalk, and then it had a tree over to have you know more protection in the winter, and that's when I realized that rosemary can make it year after year after year, and I mean it stayed there a long time and grew huge. Oh yeah, just huge. I was so surprised. But you don't count on it like a holly. Though. That's right, because yeah. you can get a winter like we did last year, and maybe even this year. You know that rosemary rosemary might have gotten zipped. I just mm-hmm. don't know yet. Mm-hmm. And there are so many different varieties of rosemary on the market now. 
They're all great. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. Uh, but there are some that are a little more winter hardy than some of yeah. the other ones. But even, the, let's say, ARP, for example, mm-hmm. you know, even the ARP was killed last year. Yeah. You know, it, it didn't have a chance. Um, so do the research. If you're doing it just as an annual, you can plant any rosemary you want. If you're doing it as a perennial shrub, then you definitely might want to pick and choose some of the ones that are a little more winter hardy than the other ones. Well, I had the lavender made it through. I had the elfin creeping thyme that made it through. I have a kale that was planted two years ago. It made it through that bad freeze. Now you say it kale. made it through the summer. The, like the cabbage and kale. It, it's the purple one. And it's really, really ruffly. I cannot remember the name of it. But y'all have seen it for sure. But it's real full. Is ruffly the right name? The ornamental kale? Yeah. I'll have to look it up and see if I can find the right one. But it went through last winter. It went through the summer. And it's went through this winter. Now, it's not gorgeous. But it's there looking decent if I planted some other stuff around it. Years ago, I went to the Denny's restaurant here that's downtown. And there was a ornamental cabbage that had been planted, but it was under an awning. So it only got sun during certain times of the year. Mm -hmm. Okay. Never got any rain on it other than just what fell in the bed and moved down to it. Right. The stalk on that thing was nearly waist high. Yeah. It had a head on it. It never Uh got enough sun to bolt. So Uh it just kept growing. And yeah. growing. I mean, that was that the thing, weirdest looking. It could or- have been 10 years old. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. you know, just amazing uh-huh. that it had survived that long. But I'm, I'm, I don't like that look where you got this long naked stem that comes up and this little ball at the top of ornamental cabbage uh, and kale. Side, that's called the literati. Jim, people shouldn't curse on the radio. <laughs> and if you don't know it's supposed to look that way, you might like it. <laughs> we'll see you in a minute. We've got another hour. garden help you need now mid-south gardening on the mighty 990 powered by palladio home and garden with your host veda vance kenneth mabry and jim crowder good morning gardeners welcome back to mid-south gardening glad you can join us today I am Veda with Palladio in Memphis. Yeah, she is and i'm kenneth with dan west garden centers and i'm jim crowder here sharing this i'm what? here Okay. Mr. Grumpy. Yeah. And administrator. I'm I am administrator of our Facebook group, Mid South Gardening, Gardening in USDA's zones six, seven, and eight. And how many times have we said he got the nickname Grumpy? I don't know where it came from, <laughs> Veda, but he's everything but that. Yeah. Well, you, know? really y- you would think that, but I have I don't know, something like five or six shirts, a couple of coats that all have the grumpy yeah. figure on I them. Know they do. All given to me by friends and employees. <laughs> yeah. Uh <laughs> When you had your million dollar man makeover with all of your aches and pains, <laughs> you, you kind of got that worked out. You're less grumpy, literally. I, I know. Coming yeah. up the ele- I went to the pain doctor yesterday and was coming up the elevator with a lady who just had surgery in her knee and she's been a walker. Another girl was talking, going to therapy also, and they're talking about their recent surgery. And I said, ladies, I've had four hips, two necks, like six on my hands, uh-huh. two on my elbows. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a partial knee. Yeah, you, you just know, started. <laughs> you got no sympathy from me here. Right, right. <laughs> Feel no pain for you. Well, you know the secret to gardening is the secrets in the plants. You got to love them. You got to love on your plants. Maybe not a holly. Kenneth's going to talk about some uh, new ones too. I understand. Yes, yeah, yes. I was doing a little digging last night, and you know, 
we don't not have the garden. Our landscapes are <laughs> they're not big enough to 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 take in all of the plants that are out there. We know that, mm-hmm, right? Right. And I'm not one of these where I want to dig up a plant to get rid of it just to plant another one like my mother used to do. Yeah. Okay? Right. <laughs> but there are some cool little new plants. And this, you know, I was looking at shrubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, new 24, 2024 introduction shrubs that would be available at some point. Now, keep in mind also, a lot of times these new introductions, mm-hmm. they're not available for another year or two. Right. Even though they sit there and talk about them now, Right. But there was a, uh, tell me what you think about these guys. Uh, these are new shrubs for 2024. There's a neat ball boxwood. Well, see, I thought meatball boxwoods were neat just... Ball. Neat see, ball. Yeah. Meatball, not meatball. Yeah, but how they play on the names. Right, because meatball boxwood is what we call the ones that people just prune into meatballs. Ex- but this is a neat... Neat ball boxwood. If you'd like to say a prime example, there's one at Kenneth Mabry's house. Right. <laughs> or more. Thank you. <laughs> Thank That's you, Jeff. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, this is an improved version of the classic green velvet boxwood. Okay? Hmm. And we so, all, but... Like green velvets doesn't isn't a ball. It's not as tight as the neat yeah. ball is. Okay, <laughs> I guess that's why it's a neat ball. Right. Uh, <laughs> this has a dense globe uh, shaped mound reaching two to three foot tall and about three foot wide. So it's just another yeah. boxwood. That, but it is somewhat of a dwarf though. Only two to three mm-hmm. foot tall, three foot wide, real tight, and has a dense globe look mm. to it well i love green velvet so i'm looking forward to seeing this one and this one also does not bronze in the winter time uh, i just wish it had a different name neat ball but, see, but that doesn't sound like a good name oh no, it does there's nothing wrong with the name <laughs> and then uh this is a holly called glow pop holly <laughs> it's getting worse <laughs> so glow glow pop holly two to three foot tall two to three foot wide compact but y'all this is yep. like everything else that we've been talking about this has the bright golden foliage okay that's my phone reminded me to drink water <laughs> <laughs> why is everything going to golden foliage this is not losing you know? any concentration why there. you know I so know. so this is glow pop did you see a picture of it I did. Is it, does it look anemic or does it actually look like a nice, you know, like the yellow abelias are pretty mm-hmm. pretty. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But there's some, like the yellow anise, anise, mm-hmm. whatever it is, yeah. sunshine. sunshine. It's, I mean, it's sunshine. Just, it doesn't look right. Well, Jim, to me and in the that's garden. funny you, you, brought, thought, you brought that up because it showed pictures of Glow Pop uh, Holly and it's a pretty Holly. But to me, anything that has. Any shrub that I'm not used to seeing that has mm-hmm. yellow foliage, mm-hmm. I think it's anemic. Mm-hmm. That's uh-huh. my first impression. It's funny you brought that up because that's the way I see it. Right. But see, then again, was... if you want that variegation out there, it really comes into yeah, play. Right. Yeah. If we, because like all the people that I'm around that have not been gardeners, when new plants come in with the yellow variegation or the or the yellow or whatever. They all they all go. I love it, but I know you don't, Beta, because right. you think it's got a disease. Right. But they love it. But if you know, we just can't help it. Yeah, I'm trying to look. I remember I was going over a list of hollies, and I had found a yellow one also, but I don't think it was Glow Pop. That's more fun. That so name. Glow, glow, I'll go with that name. It's better than Meatball, Tight Ball, Neat Ball, Neat Ball, Boxwood. Okay, we're going to get in trouble with that name. I'm telling you, I don't want that name. <laughs> so Glow Pop Holly, two to three foot tall, two to three foot wide, compact, displays bright 
golden foliage. Great for con- containers also. So that one, you might write that one down and look it up. Is that a Crenada? A Japanese holly? Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. Uh, Jim? So that means... Japanese hollies need more drainage? Well, it means they're tough as everything. Well, they're more prone to black root rot if they stay wet. But Mm -hmm. the reason I asked was because most of the Japanese hollies are males that don't produce any berries. Right. So that's the reason I was asking. But, I mean, to me it looks like, you know, a soft-touch holly with yellow foliage, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the other one is called glow stick holly. Glow stick holly. I like that. Okay, so it's a tall, skinny holly. Yellow that's, stems? Yeah. yeah. Well, it, this one does get taller. This is a four to six foot tall, only about 12 inches wide. Oh, nice. So this is more columnar. Mm-hmm. So this is a yellow sky pencil, huh? Yeah. Exactly, Jim. Uh, same as above. It has the golden foliage, um, but it's more columnar, and it reminded me of looking at a sky pencil gem with yellow foliage uh, wow which is cool you know if you want that that variegation out there that yellow foliage uh, and Veda, this one made me think mm-hmm. of you because you mentioned mock orange last weekend yeah right well this one is uh, illuminate spice mock orange mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. need to look that one up and look yeah. at the picture of this thing uh, the illuminate spice mock orange has large double white flowers uh has a citrus citrus fragrance yeah, most of them uh, do jim this one gets about four foot tall four foot wide so this one's more of a shrub a mounding type shrub four by four i like that beautiful blooms on this thing i'm telling you so that'll be ready in about two years huh well maybe this year <laughs> we'll see eliminate um spice mock orange uh and then y'all this one caught my attention also this one is called um what was it uh rock uh, what did I don't? It was some kind of Vitex, and it might have been Rock Steam or Rock Stream. I can't read my writing right here, but this is <laughs> this is a type of Vitex that blooms much longer than the other Vitex that are on the market. Huh. Okay, uh, and they say this could be one of the longest or lo- uh, longest blooming shrubs that you actually have in your landscape. I have read about that one. Oh, cool. Is that, I know, and, and I love. We may find a place for that. I one. know. That's what I'm saying. Because vitex aren't even planted enough as it is. Uh, that's that's so, one of my things. The yeah. chase tree or the vitex, you know, we know they bloom in the summertime. They bring in the bees. They're great for pollinators. But this one, um, rock steady, that's what it was. Rock steady vitex. Yeah. So this is one they say really blooms the whole season, Jim, from beginning to end. Man, that's cool. So mm-hmm. we'll have to keep an eye on that one. A uh, couple more guys. This is uh, a uh, encore azalea. Of course, you know. It, the world would not turn unless they came out with another encore. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a new encore. Of course. Okay, I'm and ready. I just had to bring it up. This one's Encore Moonstruck, uh, Isaiah. Oh, yeah. And this has the white bloom about two and a half inches uh-huh. wide. So, And it also has variegated foliage. Oh. It's got green and chartreuse leaves. So now they're getting, it's not just the blooms, Jim. They're also getting into the variegated foliage on some of these encores. Okay, we'll check that one out. So Moonstruck, look at that one. And then lastly, this is a perennial. uh, And I thought this was pretty cool. This this one is a sun fern Olympia artemisia. Okay? Now what is cool about this sun fern Olympia artemisia (laughs) is most artemisias, artemisias. So it's not a fern, it's an artemisia. But it looks like a fern. Oh. Looks just like a fern. Oh, Look that sun? thing up. Sun? Oh, yeah. And it has mm. green foliage. You know, most yeah. Artemisia's wormwood has that yellow foliage. I mean, that or silver, silver foliage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this looks just like a woodland fern, guys. 
But likes the sun. But likes the sun, Jim. That makes me happy. I'm going to leave a hole for that one, too. Yes, I got to be looking. So the sun fern artemisia. Okay. I had the one that I was liking... Um, is the Christmas Jewel Holly. I'd gotten those sold in stock. Them this, this past year. Yeah, because they're like a dense, pyramidal. They're, but they're like a six, no, ten feet tall. They do get wide, but at least you don't have one growing huge. And no pollinators needed for these, and they do have big, bigger red berries. Yeah, and they're, they're, the hollies are so odd because in most of the hollies, there is a male and a female, mm-hmm. right? Then you have some that are both. right. And then you have some that are female but don't need a male to produce berries. <laughs> Just have like in mercy. real life. <laughs> I, know, I was going to say, okay, okay. True. Um, All right, so that one's a good screen if you want to go out and plant a screen today. Like, you need to plant a screen. Mm-hmm. But yours needs to be taller than 10 feet. Well, though, right? I planted uh, crepe myrtles, uh, oh, you know, mostly spot, to yeah. block. Because even I knew that in the winter when they dropped their leaves, I still had the structure mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And I didn't have to have this green wall right, where it was just, right. you know, you couldn't see anything through it. So I used, mm-hmm. um, I just used the crepe myrtles mm-hmm. for that reason. That sounds good. Do you have What is green in your yard for the winter besides your meatball boxwoods? Well, in the backyard, I've got... Mm-hmm. Uh, some boxwoods back there. I, I, I had some uh, deciduous uh, magnolias. Mm, you know, yeah. Uh, but my oh, like Jane magnolia. No, is this it? is a uh, sweet bay. Uh, oh, okay. I shouldn't say deciduous. Uh, sweet bay magnolias. Right, yeah. And Jim, they dropped all their leaves. You know, this so you year you got the species. Yeah. yeah. And which um, one doesn't drop the leaves? Autumnalis. Autumnalis. Well, we talked about oh, what a couple yeah. weeks ago. Australis. Right. Australis. Australis. Yeah. But my backyard, I'm, I'm never in there back there in the wintertime. Right, so, yeah. so I don't have a lot of evergreens, honestly, mm-hmm. other than the foundation plantings back there. Uh, but in the spring, when everything flushes out, I mean, it's full enough. Yeah. I've got some azaleas back there, but uh, not this wall of mm-hmm. color or this wall of green they yeah. did, that I'm trying to block well, you everybody have woods out. and things like that behind you. So, yeah, you know, I wouldn't be blocking that either. Right. We're going to continue this conversation okay. after the break that Veda's that, um, trying to ignore over there. So we'll be back right <laughs> after these words from our sponsors. <laughs> Welcome back, folks. This is Miss South Garden. Appreciate you joining us a minute. And that's just a little trivia here real quick before we get back to our conversation. So any mm. any guess as to how many different species of plants there are out there? Like total, total. species. A million, 333,441. Well, so you're pretty close if you took a million off. There's only about 380,000 species of yeah. plants. Now, about... You're only a million off, Vegas. Right. That's, that's a little over 100,000 are not seed producers. They're ferns, mosses, mm-hmm. algae, things like that. So there's about 260,000 of those. Now, one group makes up the largest part of that, makes up about 10%, something like 28,000 species. Mm-hmm. Any idea of what it is? I would say ferns. That's okay. what I was you know, thinking, ferns. Now, this is seed producers now. Oh, seed um, producers. Mm-hmm. Uh, zinnias. Ornamental, yes. ornamental grasses. Nope. Orchids. Good Lord. No way. Yes. Okay, seed producer. Orchids, orchids. are the largest single group of plants. That is, cr- I would um, never. Me neither. There are so many varieties of terrestrial and ep- epiphytes that mm-hmm. grow in trees. That It's just uncanny how many varieties mm-hmm. there are. Now, yeah, like 28,000 or so. That is really amazing. Because think about it. Whether it's phalaenopsis, orchid, whatever we want to call it, every 
every region of the world has orchids like Jim's talking about. There's some up in the mountains. We have There's some in the rainforest. Yeah. All like of ours here are tiny orchids. Yeah. You know? lots of lots of, you know, you get up north, you can grow some of the lady slippers. They don't do very well here, but I've seen some in the woods. Um, but there are lots of terrestrial orchids that you can grow. I would have never, ever got that. So, right. when, so when we're saying orchids, there's more to the orchid family than the Phalaenopsis, oh, the, you know, oh, the gosh, normal yes. ones. Like, is the nun orchid considered an orchid? It is an orchid, yes. Mm-hmm. And that that comes back every year. Yes. Yeah. But iffy here. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. One more and we'll try here. Where do Phalaenopsis grow? Like in pots on your kitchen counter? Well, that's one place. But where do they grow naturally? In trees. Okay. But where in trees? Um, On the trunk, the main trunk. Actually, Phalaenopsis always grow on the underside of limbs. I guess that's where the water drips. Well, you know? it, and that's the reason so many people kill them is they let water get in the cup inside that orchid. Mm. They're not used to that. They don't grow that way. Yeah. So never get water inside there. If you can replicate the growing conditions of any plant that naturally grows where it wants to grow, you you'll be successful. You that's right. It. That's right. Give it what it needs, yep. and it will grow. When Jean's loving your plants. <laughs> you can love them all you want. You can love them I've to been death. You know what I mean? Plants we see killed with tender love and care. Yeah, a lot. But my <laughs> wife bought this uh, orchid, or Phalaenopsis. I told you all about this one last year uh, in the spring, and it bloomed for five months through the summer, spring and summer. I mean, it bloomed for five months, I'm telling you. And for the first time ever, she didn't give it to someone that loves orchids or just throw it away. Mm-hmm. So it's been sitting there in the because the the pot that it's in looks really good. So she left it on the kitchen table, okay, and it bloomed a little bit about two months ago. It had two or three little blooms that came out on it, and now this thing is starting to bud up again, and mm-hmm. it's getting the buds are swelling every day. But it's two orchids that are in the pot. There's a small one and a bigger one. The big one has the big white blooms. The small one has the little small purple blooms on it, and both of them are starting to really bud up again. So I guess with even with Phalaenopsis, if you're patient and you just take care of the thing, yeah. it's going to rebloom. I mm-hmm. promise you it is. Yeah. It might take a year, but it's going to do it. Mm-hmm. And most have, people aren't that patient. I have four mini fails that are in bloom right now. I've got them in the hallway. We picked them up where I had a plant sale I saw not long ago that were just ridiculously cheap. Yep. You know, and so I had to have one of each color. Of course you did, Jim. <laughs> and how long do those bloom for you? Uh, they'll be the thing. As long as you don't accidentally hit the flowers. I think if you pollinate the flowers by moving it or wind, it will shorten your flowers. Mm-hmm. At least that's my belief. But, yeah, four to five months, usually they'll stay in bloom. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. And it's worth it. You know, if you mm-hmm. if you spend 15 bucks for a, for a fail and put it on your kitchen table and have it for five months, right. I mean, that's a great deal. It yep. is. Even, yep. if, even if it dies, yep. you know, that's and then you can well get them, worth it. Like I have them that's got three different stalks, and they're just full of white blooms. I mean, that's going to be a long enjoyable mm-hmm. blooming time for the orchid. And key with Phalaenopsis, too, is you do, when that finishes blooming, you don't cut mm-hmm. the stalk off. You yeah. cut back to the second node. Why? Well, I mean, go ahead. Because yeah. there's a dormant bud right there, and it will re-sprout and bloom again off of that. Well, when it's, that's it's, done, then you can cut it off. It's funny he said that, Veda, because mm-hmm. I told you it started blooming again a couple months yeah. ago, two or three little blooms. It came off that original stalk, mm-hmm. okay? So now I told my wife, I said, you can cut that one back. Yeah. She's not touching it because she 
done, you know, why right, mess with right. it? You know, why why mess with a good thing, right? But you're saying if she's going to cut that stem back, go ahead and cut it down to the second node, just above the second node, because the one that has all the bigger mm-hmm. buds on it right now is not that same stalk. Yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what about would there be a difference in cutting the stem all the way back? And then when it finally grows back out, would it bloom more than leaving the stem? Um, No. As it ages, it will produce bigger spikes. Okay. And a lot of that, too, has something to do with the variety. Yeah. Um, The ones that you see in pictures, you know, they're just chock full of blooms. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I have five or six plants down in there. You know, you just can't see that because it's Uh covered with blooms. Right. Uh, but uh, and, yeah, as it matures, you're going to have more flowers, bigger spikes, mm-hmm. and that, given that it it likes where it's yeah. at and that sort of thing. Yeah, and we it, have an orchid that's got. I think the stem is about three feet. This is way. I set it on the table. Like you can't even see the bloom. It's going to have to go on the ground so you can be close to the bloom. But the spikes long. But they're mm-hmm. actually easy to grow. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know about some of the orchids. I mean, I'm sure because there's so many out there. Yeah, yeah Kenneth that, can do it. Yeah, that you know that <laughs> might be. Really particular, you know, the way you take care of them. But these phalaenopsis, Gina takes them out of the pot, soaks them in water, I think once a week. Yeah. Puts them back in the pot they came in. Uh, and I think she the watering is just once a week. Uh, and then, there, of course, there's some really good orchid foods yeah. out there mm-hmm. that you can use, which you should. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, if you find the right spot for them, they're easy to grow. I'm telling you. I remember last week I said I was going to go to work and pot some orchids up and all of that. Didn't do it. <laughs> Yeah. I wanted to do it. You've got a windowsill. That's a great place to grow them, you know, mm-hmm. more particularly if it's not not full direct sun, but getting some shaded. And they appreciate a couple of nights down around 45 degrees. If you've got, mm-hmm. I used to pull the curtains to, to keep them between there, and that mm-hmm. will help stimulate flowers. Well, this one's on a mm-hmm. kitchen table, Jim, that gets eastern exposure, uh, the eastern sun. And it's a big window frame, I mean window, so it gets tons of light. But uh, it just stays right there, mm-hmm. and it, it, it does fine. Well, you know, you were talking about how the orchid's in a pretty pot, so the pot was pretty, even though the orchid wasn't showing out at the time. Well, now I'm coming to understand the terms of there's containers and pots, and then there's vessels. Mm-hmm. Vessels. Those are, uh, those are boats, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but vessels are basically, they're, they're a pot. Say, for instance, you could if you had a wooden salad bowl, yeah. and you don't use it anymore, and it's yeah. a pretty deep one. You don't plant in it, but like... Your the vessel is something that you're putting your house plants in to look pretty on your table, where it's the plants are gorgeous and the container is gorgeous. And you would what you would do is like you've got the bowl and the bowl has no drainage holes in it. You take your plants that are still in the containers. Sure. You can push them down in there. You know, sometimes yeah. they fit perfect. Sometimes I push them like Squeeze them in half. Put some sheet moss on top yeah, of them. Yeah, get them down <clears throat> into the bowl and then fill in with newspaper or something to keep them from moving. And then moss or Spanish moss or whatever. And so it's not going to live that like that forever, but it's in a pretty, quote-unquote, vessel. <laughs> and then, like, if some people bring their antique ceramic pots in from their grandmothers, and it looks so pretty on the table. And we just added some plants to it, and it's a whole new thing. Better than the clay pot or the ceramic pot or whatever. So vessels, I'm finding out, is a new thing. Yeah, well, we see a lot of people trying to grow uh, things in containers that have no drainage, like this orchid pot has no drainage whatsoever. And most people fail at that, to be honest with you. But she takes it out and waters Yes, she does, unless it it. drip dry before she puts it back in there. More gardening information on the way. We'll be right back.
our sponsor. I also want to thank our partners that have joined us off and on during the year, Dan West Garden Center, Herbis Systems, and all the other good sponsors yeah. that are partners with us here. We do appreciate them. Yes, absolutely, Jim. I took some pictures on why planters need pot feet. If y'all look in there, it's on the ground. Yeah. It's on the ground. It has mm-hmm. a hole in the bottom, but mm-hmm. it's full of water. Full of water. That is so funny you brought that up. Is it? Because I had a discussion yesterday about uh-huh. this. This guy had a square concrete pot, mm-hmm. and it tapered down towards the bottom like most of them do. And uh, I was talking to the lady and gentleman. They said, we just can't grow anything in this container. And I said, is the concrete pot, what surface is it setting on? Mm-hmm. And they said, well, concrete. And I said, well, is it pea, gra- <laughs> pea gravel type concrete, or is it slick concrete? Uh-huh. And they said, well, it's slick concrete. Uh-huh. And it's amazing how you can get a concrete pot that's got a hole in the bottom of it, Set it down on something flat mm-hmm. and watch it fill with mm-hmm. water and not drain. Yeah. It is it is amazing. I said you just need to get that pot elevated a little bit to where you will have good drainage, Veda. Yeah. And they were going through exactly the same thing mm-hmm. and not knowing why they couldn't grow anything in that right. pot. Yeah, and there was like a six pots all together. And only one of them had the drainage problem because it sealed just perfect. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. People will go, well, all four of my, I had five and four of them are gorgeous. But the four this drained. This dead. When and didn't. so that means they bought a bad plant in their mind. That's amazing. Yeah. He said he washed this thing out with Clorox, Jim, <laughs> peroxide, everything. He thought it was the pot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, bad, that, the bad plant thing really gets, it gets me, you, you know. doesn't it? Yeah, because yeah. all plants want to live. Oh, you mean like they blame it on the plant? They blame it on the plant. Yeah, I had a guy one time many years ago who bought uh, two varieties of azaleas and he alternated them across the front of his house. Well, he didn't take care of them. Okay, and the one of the varieties, every one of them died. The other ones didn't. Mm. And he thought they were bad plants because of that, mm. you know. And the fact is, they needed different stuff. They needed more water, or they needed better drainage than mm. what he was giving them. And so, he they got the same amount of treatment. They all died, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's the nurseryman's fault. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I mean, yeah, and of course. But you can also understand why people would think that way. But mm-hmm. it, when you explain to them, look, this thing was great when you took it out but of you here. Know, you know what I what was they, really they miss us. The yeah. plants die because they miss us. <laughs> one time, there was this, uh, right, that's it. That's what it is. Uh, one time, there was a uh, younger, like a millennial, and it's funny how we tag people. I don't quite know their age, but just for understanding, um, and she was standing in line behind someone that's like around our age, and because uh, this shows a different frame of mind of thinking, this person asked, if uh, the plant doesn't do well, can they bring it back? And so he kind of went through the whole situation, and then they left. And then the millennial came up behind it, behind, and she said, I was laughing. Why would somebody think they could bring a dead plant back? Whose fault do they think that is it? And she was a new gardener. Mm-hmm. It was just really strange because they've got a different learning process and all that somebody would want to bring a dead plant back because it died in their care. And that's why so many people go to the, some of the box stores because they'll mm-hmm. give you a year guarantee on some trees and shrubs. Yeah. You know, and, and it's because they don't make money on them mm-hmm. anyway. I mean, the garden right. centers are losing propositions, but the garden centers bring in all women who normally would not go into a hardware store. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And they are yeah. 80 to 90% of their sales. And so the women go there and they will shop. Men don't mm-hmm. shop. No. I don't, you know, I go to Home Depot, pick up what I want, I leave. Yeah. You, you know, know? So cruise every yeah. aisle. I don't need you don't anything. walk up and down every aisle. You know, what? I'm not interested in tiles or dra- <laughs> in towels or drapes. But or, I might be. You know? Now, can't keep my wife out of the, you know, the container area where you can yeah. order. She is so organized, it's just uncanny. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> that is so true. But I'm telling you, though, when Veda started this conversation with the concrete pot holding water, uh, it's amazing how you, you better have good drainage, and even containers that have drainage holes. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that thing is draining the way it should. Right. We actually had some pots come in, and they used the PVC pipe in um, the holes, I guess, for part of the mold. And they didn't cut the PVC pipe even with the bottom. So actually, it would still hold water because the PVC pipe was sitting up, and so it couldn't drain out the hole. So I had them, I, ta- I called the uh, company because they were a good company, and usually what they make is all, you know, works. You can buy things that don't work. But, um, and, you know, told them, just check it. But we cut them off so they would actually drain out. And then, the, you know, pot feet, you know, a lot of people, mm-hmm. there is a such a thing as pot feet yeah. that you put up under these pots, and all you're doing is elevating that pot off of that flat surface. You're raising that drainage hole up mm-hmm. off the ground to where, unless it's plugged up, you're going to get yeah. drainage. So you can have decorative pot feed. You can have pot feed that look like feet. You can have <laughs> pot feed that look like flowers, elephants, turtles, or you can use bricks for pot feet. Anything and, to get yeah. that pot off the ground, mm-hmm. I'm telling you. So it, it makes a big difference in, in, in drainage, and you better have good drainage. But I'm saying a lot of times, there again, people are they're buying these beautiful-looking pots that have no drainage holes whatsoever. I'm not saying you can't try to grow something in a container that doesn't drain. All I'm telling you is you're probably not going to be successful. Yeah. It's that simple. Right. Well, now, I've been quite successful with uh, lotus. Well, <laughs> <laughs> In water lilies. And water gardens, yeah. <laughs> See right. what I mean by that? But then again, like if they don't drain, that's where you have to put them, keep them in the container that they're in. And then set them in the pot that doesn't drain. And a lot of people honestly use pots that don't drain indoors, yeah, like you said, only. as yeah. a vessel, okay, yeah. as Veda was talking about. But if you're trying to use something that's very attractive, that doesn't drain outdoors, where it's going to get any kind of, yeah. no, it's just not going to work. Right. Unless Don't you're like that. Jim, growing lotus and, <laughs> and water lilies. Man. <clears throat> the pots. Who knew it was going to be all about the pots? And there's not a difference if... I mean, some people want to, they ask, what pot's going to make my plants grow the best? So you got two different people here, though. you got mm-hmm. the one person who is interested in the plant mm-hmm. and wants an attractive pot to put it in. Right. But then you have people who have the attractive pot and want a plant to put it in. That is yeah, so true, right, Jim. You know? right. And those are two totally different markets. Sure enough, you yeah. <laughs> to somebody like myself, you know, you come in and say, oh, that's a pretty pot. Uh-huh. I'm insulted. I'm growing plants. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Worst thing you can do is go in and look at a 250-year-old bonsai and say, ooh, that's a pretty pot. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> kind of a, yeah, right. yeah. But in the perfect world, you won't both, don't right, you? Right. Well, right. no. Yeah. <laughs> that's where the vessel comes into play. <laughs> oh, that is so true what Jim just said. But, right, Betty, you're right. I mean... As far as what container or what type of pot grows plants the best, I think any container that has decent drainage. Right. That's what I said. The one with the hole in it. Yeah. Plastic, whether it's ceramic, whether it's, uh, you know, the lightweight epoxy, Mm -hmm. whether it's concrete, or whether it's the new fabric smart pots. Right. 
You know, you can grow plants in any of them. Well, you know, we have real decorative hose pots, and the hole comes out the side of the hose pots. And so this lady saw it, and she goes, oh, I've got to have that to plant my shrub, my flowers in. And her friend says, well, you can't do that. That's a hose pot. Yeah. And I'm like, you can plant in anything outside that has a hole in it. So if you want to use that as a flower pot, then use it as a flower pot. No, it's just pot. got drainage at the bottom, and not at the top, yeah, but at right. the bottom. And it had Which, it of on course, the is side. not rock. Let's get it. <laughs> <It's, laughs> and what, how, what do you mean by, say that again? Well, you know, we, we've talked about this because adding rock to the bottom of a oh, container gotcha. yeah. does not improve its drainage. It actually decreases your drainage. So you just want, just put soil in there. That's all you need I, to do. You know, and Jim, I've told you the story of me and my mother have had arguments. Yeah. about some of the things that Jim has said, and I completely agree with. Because mm-hmm. she grew up putting rocks and gravel in the bottom of pots, every pot she ever planted she did, yeah. to improve the drainage. Well, like Jim said, not so fast. What it might do is keep the hole from getting plugged up, so indirectly it might improve the drainage because you're keeping the hole from getting plugged up. But you're also raising the water level in the pot yeah and that's what you got to be real careful with so i don't think i ever convinced her honestly. right 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 fact, yeah, I know i'm still I didn't. not sure i've convinced kids <laughs> oh, <laughs> i know I mean, you have jim i still keep meaning to experiment with that but i'm like yeah i guess i'll go with you well, so, so right. you can you can you can do it with a sponge and see what we're talking about and the, mm-hmm. the depth of the pot and how things drain you know, if you take a sponge and just hold it flat in your hands and put it under the sink and get as much water in it as you possibly can, mm-hmm. okay, okay, and hold it up mm-hmm. and when it drips. Now, it's holding 100% of the water that it can right now right. Mm-hmm. at the base. Its gravity's pulled down to the, where the bottom will not release any more soil. And that's what happens when you water, water your soil. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Any more water. Now, just turn it up with it being long ways. Sideways. Okay, sideways. Okay. Mm-hmm. What you'll see is water pours out because gravity is pulling that down and you get the dry soil, dry sponge at the top mm-hmm. and the wettest at the bottom. Right. Okay. If you turn it up one more time so it's tall, mm-hmm. then you get even more going out. So the yeah. taller the pot, the faster and less right. soil, less water it will hold. Mm-hmm. Even same same amount of soil mass, but it'll hold less water. Right. Okay. If you put rock under that, you're pushing that up. What are you going to lose? You lose the top. That's the mm-hmm. dry soil. Mm-hmm. And you continue to put that up, so you end up with wetter soil closer mm-hmm. to the top. Right. Depending on how much rock you put in the bottom of your pot. Right. The more yeah. rock you put, the worse it gets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. yeah. So it's I know, um, it's not what we always thought. Right. You know? I know. And, and it's like, well... Like if I went out running in the rain and I prop, my, I always prop the tennis shoes up, right? The water's going to drip out the bottom. It's going to dry but they faster. they still dry. The bottom still dries out. So it still dries. It just takes longer to dry. This is not the same thing he's I'm saying. Lost. <laughs> I am totally lost. I mean, if water's running down to the bottom of anything, if it's got a way to get out, it still gets out. No, it, it just it takes longer. It will only get out as long as it, the very bottom holds 100% of the water that it can. Mm-hmm. It will not release any more until it gets more water. Okay, That's what happens mm-hmm. with soil particles. As small as they are, when you water, you water that very, very top particle, 
it holds all the water it can before it releases yeah. any to the one below it. That's right. right. And that moves down. And that's called percolation. Right. And that's what water moves mm-hmm. down through. And in our clay soil, that's yeah. very, very slow process. Yeah. So my sponge won't be dry in an hour, but it'll be dry in three hours. If you turn it standing up, it'll dry faster mm-hmm. than it will if you left it laying down. Right. But it's it crazy. dries. And bonsai <laughs> people understood this many years ago because uh-huh. notice most of the bonsai pots yeah. are very low. Yeah. Uh-huh. They hold water longer. Yep. Except mm-hmm. the ones that they want to dry quickly. Those yeah. are very tall pots, you know, where you do mm-hmm. junipers and a cascade. Yeah. Those are tall pots because they want that water to get down to the bottom. That's yeah. amazing. So the the dimension of the pot, mm-hmm. this, the, the shape of the pot can also dictate how much you need to water that container. Absolutely. A tall pot versus a short pot mm-hmm. is going to need more water. Yep. But if it's the yeah. right plant, you know, that may be a good thing. Mm-hmm. All right, we're running to a break again, and then we've got about 10 minutes after that, so if you've got that last-minute question, call us 260. We'll see if we can confuse you anymore. (laughs) Right. Good morning. Welcome back. We're talking about working in the garden today. If you are uh, looking out the window again Mm -hmm. and thinking about your jobs and you're wanting to do some pruning, but you feel like your hands just can't do it or... You know, you're just like, oh, I just can't do any more pruning. I promise you, y'all, get those ratchet pruners. That We carry some great ratchet pruners. And those are the ones that just go kind of click, 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 yeah. click until you cut through whatever right. you're trying to cut and, through. And I hear y'all <laughs> saying, I've used ratchet pruners before, and they don't work. And that was my thing. These really, really work. And um, to the point to where somebody needed something pruned uh, at work, one of the customers, I don't remember what we were doing, and so I grabbed a pair of pruners. Oh, I was going to prune it up for her. And she was like, there's no way you're going to get those through this plant. And I just ratcheted down three cuts. No pain on my wrist. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to use two hands. Mm-hmm. And it cut straight through it. And uh, it was it extended my time in the yard of pruning because I wasn't getting um, the pain or, or just worn out. Just like, I, mm-hmm. I don't do this anymore. It's kind of hurt. You know, it's one of those things where you have a pair of pruners and you have a pair of loppers, okay? Mm-hmm. The loppers are for bigger things. The pruners are for smaller things. But there's always that in-between yeah. limb that right. I don't really need a big pair of loppers uh-huh. But my little pruners aren't getting it, right? You know, and you can you can do more with the little pruners because they're in your pocket. But be careful if you are pruning this time of year. You can always go in there and selectively cut out dead tissue. You know, and, and we've seen a good bit of that on boxwoods, distilliums, whatever. You can selectively cut all that out, and you can even get in there and cut back some certain plants. But I was talking to a lady yesterday about forsythia. And she wanted to cut them back. And I said, now, you understand, if you do it now, you're not going to have any bloom this spring. She said, that's perfectly fine with me. I, I know that. Because she had people there on the property that were going to go ahead and cut them all back because they'd gotten way too big. But she was fine with not having the bloom. Mm-hmm. As long as she knew mm-hmm. that, that's okay. Right. right. All right, let's go to Jamie, the Master Gardener. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning, y'all. Are you full of information this morning? Yes, we are. <laughs> I was afraid and you more. were going to tell me what I, I was know. full of. <laughs> <laughs> right? He said information, we always, Jim. <laughs> we don't always agree with you, but we like to listen to you. All right. <laughs> well, that's what gardening's all about, right? <laughs> hey, Jamie, good morning to you, buddy. And I know that uh, I might have you or someone up here next weekend talking about the Memphis Area Master Gardeners Present. That's correct. That's correct. And that's and, this uh, this coming Saturday. This coming Saturday. 
and uh, we were looking forward to it. And thank you all so much for having us. And, and and Jamie, that is. Are you going to be part of that of that show or that topic? Or are you just um, letting people know all about it? Well, I, I'm, I'll be there. Okay. Uh, you know, I got a great story. I wish I had time to tell it, but anyway, you might. Uh, You've got four minutes. Okay. <laughs> Years ago, I got to go on a mission trip to India. Yeah. And so anyway, the assistant pastor asked me to go, and so anyway, I said, "Oh, yeah, that sounds like a good idea." So I got the, all my stuff ready and was going. And so anyway, as we get to the train station or whatever, I look around and there's people start introducing themselves as Dr. So and, and this is a nurse and this is a doctor and this is a, a, a pharmacist and <laughs> all the other stuff. And it didn't take me too long to realize why they wanted me to go. <laughs> so why did they want you to go? Somebody had to carry the suitcases. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, I cannot believe that you had a great uh, career, and now you love uh, you know the plant world. So you're living the best of both worlds. But anyway, thank y'all so much for being there. We appreciate you. Thank, thank you, Jamie. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, he's a great guy. He's he, the one that te- he's a police or ex police officer yeah. that texted that if I kept doing that two hundred one poplar for being a smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but um, Jamie, like I said, he'll be up here and maybe uh, bring some other people. But they're going to talk about the Memphis area Master Gardeners, which they are surely members of and they're promoters of. But their first, I think, big event is Memphis Area Master Gardeners Present, yeah. and we'll talk about that next Saturday. Um, I know the Master Gardener calendars are becoming slim pickings, but I've got a few left. I'm if with you. I've got looking, about eight or nine yeah, left. Yeah. If y'all are looking, better go ahead and get them, because all of a sudden it's February. <laughs> yeah, well, you can't buy any more. In other like, words, like from to read to sell, right? But this is the last ones in Memphis, right? Your eight and my eight could <laughs> be the last ones in Memphis. All right, real quick, I know we got just a few minutes. Uh, I wrote down moles and voles because I had to do it. I know people get sick of hearing about moles and voles, but I've had more people talk to me about moles and voles. This is only this is what February, early mm-hmm. February, yeah. More this year than we did all of last year. And I don't know what's going on with these crazy things. Uh, The mole is the one that's digging through the yard, leaving the tunnels, looking for worms and grubs to feed on. And if you want to try to get rid of moles with an M, uh, you can put down the repellents like the castor oil. You can surely put down the baits like the poison worms, the poison peanuts. You can try a trap if you put it on the active tunnels. And you can put down grub killers, okay? Mm -hmm. And don't ask me which one I think is the best because... I think using a combination and of things is it. really the best way that's to go. That's the only way. And now when it comes to a vole with a V, that's the little mouse little thing that's got teeth as big as beavers that eat the roots off everything, including hostas, camellias, mm-hmm. roses, and everything else. You can try the repellents there again, and you can try the baits like the vole X mm-hmm. or the ramic and some of these other things that you can drop down in their holes, or you can get old-fashioned mousetraps. Yeah and bait it with the meat of a pecan, and set it by mm-hmm. the hole, and cover it with the clay pot, and try to snap them. And people look at me like, oh, I can't do that. Yeah. And I said, if they keep eating your plants, you, you will. I guarantee to. you can. Right. But don't let the moles and the voles just take over your landscape, if they're really bad right now right. for some reason. Did you have something, Jim? Well, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> Other than that, it's my topic. And here's my topic. <laughs> you know... How I talk about the the green thoroughfares that like go over the interstates where animals can cross 
without getting oh, hit yeah. on right. the interstate. Mm-hmm. I mean, yesterday or the day before sometime, I saw a video of a beaver pulling his big tree trunk across a busy road to get back to his habitat to do what beavers do. I know that I know all this wildlife irritates us, but still, our wildlife's got to do their thing. And it is so incredibly heartbreaking to watch this sweet beaver just trying to live his life. But if we start doing more green thoroughfares and all that, then we won't have to see many, so many smushed animals on the road. I guess the trees are always greener on the other side of the interstate. But no, now... Well, where, I, where I lived in Charlotte, when they built... Um, uh, the interstate right there through Charlotte, they put these big tunnels underneath it yeah. so that animals could go through it. In That's fact, they found so a dead bear in there that had wandered down out of the mountains. In fact, he got behind my house around a little pond back there <laughs> and then got shot in a trailer park. Oh, no. Good Lord. Happy we'll continue gardening. that next week, Yeah, happy gardening.